Good morning. It is a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I am Glenn Clark. He is Griffin. Got a lot to do on a Tuesday episode of the program before we turn things over to Simply the Bets coming up at 11.40 a.m. Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 11.40 brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Where they are celebrating their 10th anniversary, by the way. Lots of fun happenings going on. We will uh, get you ready for uh, the week in sports betting coming up at 11.40 on Simply the Bets. Before then, got much to discuss. We're going to meet uh, Eve Rosenbaum. Uh, she was just elevated this past week to the title of Assistant General Manager for the Baltimore Orioles. Still one of the uh, the few women in baseball working in an executive front office role. We will talk to her about the significance of that. We'll talk about the direction of the Orioles. She is the assistant general manager, and her responsibilities, her job, um, includes transactions, overseeing transactions for um, you know the Baltimore Orioles and roster management. So we're going to talk to her about the Orioles. We're going to talk to her about the, the direction of the baseball team. As far as the other stuff, our uh, friend, uh, sports law professor and lawyer, of course, uh, Robert Boland's going to join us a little bit later on this hour. We will talk to him about the the lawsuit. We'll also talk to him about like the live tour and how that might play out. We'll cover all the uh, pertinent sports law topics with our friend Robert Boland. And later on this morning, um, Howard Bryant, of course, longtime writer and sports TV personality. He's going to check in with us. He has a new book out that I just started. I'm very excited about it. I I know he made the Orioles miserable throughout his career, but my God, did I love watching Ricky Henderson. I absolutely adored. That was, you know, I talk a lot about uh, Kenny Lofton because Kenny Lofton was kind of my guy and his career more lined up with my youth. Like Ricky Henderson's career, you know, I, was, I wasn't quite old enough to have come in with Ricky Henderson. Um, Kenny Lofton, I was, and it was the same concept. It was the same story. I, the joy of watching someone be able to do the things they're capable of doing, even when he was busy kicking the Orioles' asses, and Ricky Henderson did plenty of it. Um, I couldn't help it. It was just such a delight to watch him play. So uh, I have do- dove in. I only got it yesterday, so I'm only a few chapters into Howard Bryant's book, Ricky, but I'm looking forward to chatting with him about that this morning as well. So a lot to do on a Tuesday edition of the program. What we don't need to spend a whole lot of time on is last night's baseball game. You know, the bummer is I uh, my plan was to sit down and watch baseball until the basketball game began and did not make it to the start of the basketball game. Almost worked out perfectly because mm-hmm. around the fifth inning is when they... Went it, up big, and that was around nine o'clock. Right? No, it was not. It was well before nine o'clock. Well, I, mean, I guess I have more hope than you. Yeah, was, it was. I was not, holding on. It longer. was. It was quite. Uh, things turned around the time. Like it's not like how Bradish was good, but then when they put in uh, Gillespie, Gillespie, I missed Stowers hit because of it. Yes, I, I definitely it missed it yeah. too. But I was going to miss that no matter what because I was going to be watching basketball come nine o'clock, come hell or high water. There's nothing to say. It was not a pleasant night, and ultimately, again, for as many as many times as we say 
the Orioles are more competitive than we wanted, or that we not than we wanted them to be, than we thought they were going to be, that there is an amount of pleasantness involved with this season, however it is that you want to say it, no matter how many times we say that, we still have to come back to the kind of singular problem, which is they just simply don't have enough pitching. They don't. Tyler Wells and what else? For about a month almost, it was Bruce Zimmerman. Well, that's completely fallen apart. Bruce Zimmerman is who we thought he was, which is a bummer because, God, it was exciting when we thought that Bruce Means was becoming John Means. Bruce Means was becoming John Means. That would have been a good name for him. Yeah. Yeah, that. I don't even know where my brain goes sometimes. Like, I'm over here. My brain's running off. My brain's like, I'm already at the new studio in Towson, baby. You're stuck back there in Amden. Bruce Zimmerman was becoming John Means, which would have been really cool, but uh, just not the case. We want Kyle Bradish to be part of the solution because, as we talked about coming into the year, there isn't enough pitching for this rebuild. And now we add on the additional question mark of Grayson Rodriguez and this injury and the, the lat strain. So we desperately want there to be more pitching, but realistically, where do we think it's coming from? And Bradish was the one guy outside of Rodriguez and Hall that we could look at, kind of squint and say, there's a chance. There's a chance Bradish could be a quality major league pitcher. But we're just not seeing it. We certainly still hope that D.L. Hall's stuff will end up winning out over some of the other issues he's dealt with, injuries, command, things along those lines. His pure talent will win out, and D.L. Hall can be a mid-to-top-of-the-rotation type of pitcher. But there are a lot of question marks, and we keep wanting to see Kyle Bradish sort of step up and show he can be a major league pitcher and a good major league pitcher. A number three, number four type of starter for a good team for the next four to five years and we're just not seeing it like we see it in flashes we see it in moments but we're not seeing it consistently enough so yeah not a lot to say the Orioles get their brains beat in in Toronto last night Kyle Stowers did indeed make his major league debut Um, when we chatted yesterday he was just on the taxi squad but we found out in the afternoon that he was on the roster and then of course he was in the lineup and again, while, while I always will prefer for prospects to make their debuts at home because it's just another exciting reason for, for someone to get out to the ballpark, um, I'm not going to try to pretend like Kyle Stowers was going to drive 6,000 fans to walk up and buy a ticket the day of a game. It would have driven, I don't know, 500 really hardcore Orioles fans maybe that would have wanted to see Kyle Stowers make his debut Kyle Stowers is not at Adley Rutschman, he is not. Grayson Rodriguez, he is not. Even D.L. Hall, he is not. Now, he's, you know, among, like, Gunnar Henderson's in that category of guys that maybe aren't Adley Rutschman but are exciting, and when they get here, we're going to want to be there. Just, to, you know, I, I'm not, I don't know what to say about it because I get it. It's not a big deal, but I will still always prefer. It'll always be my preference especially when you're in a place where you're not competing to to do something, to prioritize your fans. So, 
I know the Toronto situation is unique. Anthony Santander. We, I mean, we got our answer, Keegan Aiken, and I don't think much of anybody knowing Keegan Aiken is all that surprised that Keegan Aiken is unavailable this week. And Anthony Santander, which makes I, – I, I mean, that one was a little – kind of caught me off guard. I mean, we knew it had to be an outfielder because that's why Kyle Stowers was, was there. But I, I just didn't know why it would have been Anthony Santander. But – such is life. I mean, I, I just don't know what else there is to say about it. It's. I'm glad the Orioles aren't competing for something this year because, boy, would it be a bitter pill to swallow if you got to later in the season and you were playing critical games in Toronto and you couldn't have key players for them. The guy that's been your best reliever this season and an important bat in your order. I get it. Like, not all that concerning because the Orioles aren't going to be playing important games, but just imagine, imagine how we'd be feeling if the Orioles were playing important games this year and they were to be without key guys for some of those games just simply out of their own nonsense. Do you think there's any chance it could impact his trade value? Like if a team that's contending and they have to make a I mean, trip I'm gonna, to Toronto I'm going to guess that the Blue Jays won't be trading well, for yeah. Anthony Santander. Yeah. Um no, I don't. I don't. I mean, could it be something that comes up? Yeah, I mean, like, hey, don't forget, he's not vaccinated. I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't think it's likely that the Orioles be looking to trade him within the division anyway. I mean, I get it. Like, the Orioles aren't at a place where you can block. You need to take the best offer you can possibly get if you're making that type of trade. Um, and if they feel like he is blocking Kyle Stowers and they want Kyle Stowers to play, then. There is quite the argument for it, but I don't know. I don't think that would be the most likely scenario is that um, he'd be traded within the AL East. Although, again, if that's who if that's who wants him, if the Rays offer you, I don't know. I, I, I don't have the answer to that. I really don't. I, I just don't. I don't think so, but I, I what do I know? Orioles will uh, continue the series in Toronto this evening with uh, Jordan Lyles on the mound against Yusei. By the way, Alec Manoa, I, when did it happen with Alec Manoa? When did he become this? I guess after he started throwing at the Orioles. Jesus Christ, man. I, I It completely caught me off guard. Um, now, as far as the basketball game was concerned last night, not, not a great game. <laughs> like, I don't know how to say it without being... This felt like... a. Like I wanted to say something like, boy, maybe they need to give these guys a week off between games during the NBA Finals. You had three nights off, and that was what we got. I mean, it was fine. It was just getting cold. It's. Like... I mean that, and look, the certainly one, the Celtics completely changed the way they went about defending Steph Curry, and were far more aggressive, and it it worked. I mean, like it worked in that he. Didn't make a slow down. Yeah, it was he was he was wretched from beyond the arc last night. But he was still he was taking some of the same looks that he was making in other games. Like the notion that it was all about what the Celtics were doing defensively is not true. Some of these like early in the shot clock long threes. This is what Steph Curry does because he can hit those shots. It was a very weird bit watching him miss. And is it that? He's also finally the totality of how much he's had to run because of how he's defended and the work that he has to do on both ends of the floor is catching up with him. Possibly. It, it's it's quite possible that some of that is catching up with him. But boy, it was just it was just ugly. And it was kind of ugly all night from the Celtics as they were turning the ball over. And yes, yeah, some of it was the Warriors played far better defense than we've seen them play, but a lot of it was just them throwing the ball around and missing shots badly. I mean, badly missing shots. It was a brutal basketball game. It was just 
not pleasant. Now, if you're a Warriors fan, who gives a flying F? You know, if you're someone who bet on the Warriors to win the series, you don't care at all. And as many people pointed out last night, the fact that the Warriors managed to win a game in which Steph Curry was so pedestrian is is got to be crushing. I mean, it's just got to be absolutely devastating to the Celtics that this we kept saying, well, we don't can Steph Curry keep doing this? Well, it turns out he didn't need to, and the Warriors figured out a way to win anyway. Obviously, the story last night was Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins was phenomenal. Andrew Wiggins has been wonderful for two games now. Andrew Wiggins has played the best basketball of his life in the last two games. Pretty good time to pick to do that, by the way. And and one of the things he saw was if I'm aggressive and I attack the rim, I'm the guy that's a little bit bigger and can can they they can't intimidate me the way that maybe they can someone else because Andrew Wiggins isn't Steph Curry size wise. And so he played fearlessly and he's played incredibly fearlessly and it's made a massive difference. Just getting anything at all from Draymond Green last night ended up being quite beneficial to the Warriors. Um, it wasn't as if he was brilliant, but he was the, the the bar was so low for Draymond Green through the first four games that getting anything at all proved to be quite the boon for them. Gary Payton, uh, the second, played well last night too. Um, Jordan Poole made a couple of shots. They took advantage of the Celtics getting rattled by a couple of questionable 50-50 calls. You know, did Clay Thompson push off on the the wide open three in the fourth quarter? Probably a little bit, but it was definitely a flop as well. But there's a lot of flopping. There's been this series has involved a lot of flopping, and some of the calls are not going to go your way. And the Celtics appeared to be quite rattled. Marcus Smart, in particular, appeared to be quite rattled by the calls not going their way last night, by not getting the benefit of some of the close calls, it appeared to impact him and what they were doing as the game went on. The question becomes, Have they? are they shook now? The thing we kept saying about the Celtics, they're bigger, maybe from, from 1 to 15, they're the better basketball team. They might ha- not have the top heaviness of a Steph Curry, but it might very well be that from 1 to 15, They're the better basketball team. We know they're bigger. We know they're more physical than the Warriors are. Is that now being met by the fact that they they haven't been there, that these guys have never played this deep into a season? They've never played this many games. Is that becoming a factor in why they're wearing down, why they were wearing down in the fourth quarter of Game 4, and why they outside of that one little blip to start the third quarter, really had nothing in the tank last night. Why is that occurring? You know, I don't want to take away, I don't want to say no credit to the Warriors, but, you know, it does matter that the Celtics don't have that type of experience. I don't think the series is over. These two teams are too close for me to believe the series is over. Now, I get it. Clay Thompson, there's the game six thing, particularly now that it's an, an elimination game. Clay Thompson's history says he's going for 100 points on Thursday night in game six. But he's been so kind of mid during the course of this series that I'm not just going to work under the assumption of that. I I absolutely believe the Celtics can win this game. And if they do, 
getting that momentum back and feeling good again and letting this all come down to one game. We know they can win on the road. They've done it plenty. We know they can win when they're in elimination situations. They just did it against Miami. So I don't think that the Warriors won the NBA title last night. I think there's a lot still to be determined over the course of this week as far as who ultimately will win this series. And I'm not just saying that because it was such a weird game. I think even if the Warriors had looked brilliant last night, even if Steph Curry had been just as good last night as he had been in the first four games, I would say the exact same things. We're talking about two basketball games. This isn't a team going up 3-1 or 3-0. This team being up 3-2, two basketball games. Anything can happen in two basketball games. So I'm not overstating it whatsoever. I think the Warriors are are certainly far happier to be up 3-2 going back to Boston than if they had been down 3-2. I think that would have been perilous. I, I said I, – I know I said I thought whoever this series – before the series – and especially after game one, I said, I think this is all going to come down to game five. And so if, you know, based on that belief, you would think I would say, well, now I think the Warriors are going to win the series. But I don't know. I, I don't know if I still feel that way. I just, ugh. So much can happen in two games. So much can still happen in two games. But the Warriors are up 3-2. They, they're, they're, you know, all it takes is one game. That's it. One more solid performance if Steph Curry goes back to being Steph Curry on Thursday night, and even if Boston plays better at home, that could be that. That could be the end of it, and the Warriors will be champions for a fourth time. I saw a little bit last night of people, you know, of course the other, the subplot would be Steph Curry, of course, has never won an NBA Finals MVP, and through four games, if the Warriors won, he was the overwhelming frontrunner. And then struggles in Game Five. Well, Andrew Wiggins plays well, and there, there's that that sort of background conversation. Well, hey, does suddenly Andrew Wiggins kind of become the guy? Like, if he has another huge game in Game Six, and Curry were to struggle again, does the fact that he kind of carried them to actually winning the title does that vault him ahead of Steph Curry for Finals MVP? And my answer would be probably not. I think Steph Curry was so good for the first four games that almost no matter what happens if the Warriors win, he's going to end up being MVP. But you know, if Wiggins goes off in game six and Curry struggles like he did in game five, it will be a, a thought. It will be a conversation. Ultimately, doesn't matter. I don't think it does. But for Steph Curry's sake, if they win the title... It probably would be nice if at some point he ends up being finals MVP if for no other reason than just so that people can't bring it up any longer um, and the idiocy of it kind of goes away. But we'll see. Again, the long way away from the series being over and game six is Thursday night back in Boston. Um, the Stanley Cup final gets underway tomorrow night, so no basketball or hockey playoffs. Just a reminder, we're about we're getting awfully close to there being nothing but baseball for a little while. Um, the U.S. men do play tonight. We'll talk about that during Totally Tubular in the uh, the CONCACAF Nations League. But no basketball or hockey playoff action this evening. Stanley Cup Finals get underway tomorrow night between the Avalanche and the Lightning. Today's show is also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4. I don't... 
I still am dealing with sort of the lingering effects, and I apologize. I'm much better than I was. The worst allergy season in the history of humanity. I'm much better than I was, but still every now and then a little bit of a lingering effect. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Much to discuss with our next guest. He's been a friend of ours for a very long time. A sports lawyer and a sports law professor. He is Robert Boland, and he's back with us here on GCR. Bob, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you as always. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. It is absolutely my pleasure. Um, all right. So uh, not great when the the owners of the baseball team are suing each other and there's family drama that now seeps into a team. I, separated from the bombastic, which was – Another attempt to make Orioles fans fear that that one of the brothers, John Angelos, was going to move the team, which there's just no reason for us to believe there's any amount of truth to it. And literally in 49 pages of the actual lawsuit full of dirty laundry, there is not any accusation or suggestion whatsoever outside of this sort of hyperbolic statement. Um, The actual reality of what this means for a franchise, Bob, what is it? Can, can Can a team... How do you operate a team when something like this is hanging over you? It can become very, very difficult, particularly if if one party is, if both parties are involved actively in the operation. It because they become a check on each other. What's interesting in this case, it looks like Lou Angelos is trying to get to that position, right. be recognized as a as a co partner or a co owner in this state. And get to get to have that impasse, and so it's a really interesting a mix of family dynamics, as you say, dirty laundry and basic hyperbole. But this is this is almost the most the most unfollowable and complex lawsuit I've seen in a long time. So clearly, there's a lot of family drama there. I, the one thing that jumps out as being a legitimate concern for me, Bob, is the Orioles and this rebuild. Um, this seemed to finally be the time in which they were moving into a place where it might be time to actually spend some money this offseason, sign a pitcher, take a step towards being competitive again. And I'm not even suggesting that it would be like a $200 million pitcher, but I, I do wonder in, in reading more of this lawsuit, like are the funds there? Could they do that? Or is would that be a difficult thing to do while there's a lawsuit pending? It's certainly more difficult to do when there's a lawsuit pending because what does a lawsuit do? And ideally, if it worked out, it would require the two parties to to check with each other and account to each other for finances coming in into and out of the franchise. Now, the allegations come back and forth and kind of circle a bit here, uh, so it's not clear that uh, it's not clear that Lou Angelos wants the franchise sold, wants to have his part of it, right. or would prefer to run the franchise. We can't really decide. But here's what the really key is when you think about it. You know, less than $173 million that, that Peter Angelos paid for the franchise, and if we assume the Forbes values are ballpark right, that's a $1.2 no, billion dollar appreciation right. of the franchise. And if you split it two ways, it leaves you, leaves you with a nice $600 million uh, outcome. So this is this isn't this isn't the first time we've seen families try to fight over lawsuits in court. We saw the uh, McCourt divorce with the Dodgers ultimately go to the bankruptcy courts, 
and that debilitated the Dodgers for for that period of time. Uh, we saw there a, a long period where the Mets were uh, held back by by infighting between Doubleday and uh, not even a family drama, but just co-owner drama. And the Mara brothers, uh, or the Mara uncle and nephew, uh, ultimately had to have that their their disputes uh, managed by Pete Rozelle back in the 1980s, famously when George Young came to New York. So these can be really complicated times, and they certainly can impair the the the, the management of a franchise. Sports lawyer, sports law professor Robert Boland with us here on GCR. Bob, I, go back, because I, as I keep saying over and over again, for as much as this like rumor about John Angelos and Nashville has persisted, there's never been actually anything to it, right? Like, no one has actually presented... Uh, 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 other than we, we, we believe John Angelos maintains a residence. Well, right, we, residence we, that's, that's the only thing we know. The only thing but we know. The only thing we right. know. Of, and, 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 now, and now the Tennessee papers are talking about the possibility of a team coming to Brentwood or Nashville. Uh, yeah, this is innuendo in the worst in the worst of ways. There's nothing to suggest that he would actively move the team. There's nothing to suggest that he would do it. It's probably, if you were adding it on the ledger, it goes with the allegations that John Angelos is 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 mismanaging the team and and assets of the team and the trust for his benefit and not for the benefit of his brother or his mother. The thing that jumps out at me too, Bob, is, and, I, and I try to have this conversation because look, you, you would understand in Baltimore there are still a lot of people that remember Robert Ursay and would say, yeah. I don't care what statements you make. I don't care. You know, John Angelos makes a very strong statement yesterday in reaction to this about the, the future of the Orioles and, 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 and kudos to him because it was the right thing to do, even if there's absolutely nothing to these rumors. There's just there's no reason to let a fan base have to have this percolating. That being said, as you would understand, there are still some fans that say, well, words mean nothing. You need to have a lease. But what jumps out at me is what's never made this sense the history of baseball is not, hey, if you just want to up and move a franchise with a, a wonderful place to play and a community that's committed to keeping them because you happen to like it in another city, we'll just let you do that. Like, it's not grounded in reality. Yeah, baseball has a block on teams moving and uh, because they're because they have exemption from the antitrust laws. So... It would take a fair amount for for baseball to allow this move. And here's the other piece: if you think about it, Nashville is an attractive expansion market for baseball. Coming off two years of COVID, expansion probably is on the table. So the last thing you'd want to do is, you, as other owners, is you'd want an owner to take his team somewhere else, leaving Camden Yards, a very profitable, a very profitable environment, the one that really transformed baseball back in the back in the early 1990s to move to uh, to move to it and be an expansion team and take expansion which goes to everybody's benefit off the table right. so it's a it's a very interesting thing to think about but yeah I, I think that that's very hyperbolic and largely to inflame people in the Baltimore area which it succeeded in doing yep. and and I think second to if anything engender sympathy from a judge elected in the I, Baltimore area. Exactly how it came off to me. We want you to like us more than the other guy. That's we want you to believe that the other guy is going to take your baseball team away. So like us more because of that. That's that, right. That's right. I'm so much nicer than my brother. Yep. That's exactly what it came off as to me. And then like again, 40, 49 pages, and they weren't holding back. They put all sorts of stuff in this lawsuit, and yet not a single note about. 
hey, uh, by the way, we heard him talking to somebody one day, or we, there's nothing in, there's no there there when it comes to this innuendo. Um, no, uh, Bob, because... No, it's actually almost started some, because interestingly right. enough, in this moment, the, the Tennessee folks are talking, well, where can we put this team? Right. We well, and, I, and I know there's been a group led by Dave Stewart that's yep. been trying to attract the baseball team to Nashville, but like they want to own it. They don't want somebody else to, to bring their team. They don't want somebody team. else to move their, their fully owned team Exactly yeah. right. They're not looking and, for that. They want to own a team in Nashville. And the 29 other Major League Baseball owners would like a top-of-market expansion fee. I've just been involved in working with a group trying to seek an expansion fee in another sport, expansion team in another sport. Expansion is definitely on the table across the board, but yeah, you you as a league want to get absolute franchise value increase in that. So you'd be talking about a franchise fee in, the, in excess of $2 billion uh, yeah. to, to an expansion city. Yeah. And look, somebody would say, hey, you could just shift that. Like, that could go to Baltimore instead, right? Like, that would be somebody's response is, hey, if, if the Orioles move, you could just put the expansion. It's like, but what, what are we doing? Like, for what? Why? Why would that be? Right, right. <laughs> that, would, that, would make, that would make very little sense, right. sense that it would, it would kind of re, change the dynamic of, of Masson's ownership. It would change the, the power balance in the in the capital region in terms of baseball. So yeah, no, it would be it would be detrimental to baseball's business across the board. Again, particularly when one looks at what the operating revenue of, of, of the Orioles is yep. compared to their value. Uh, I did a quick look at Forbes this morning. Their their income is twice the 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 the, the, the income in the in similarly valued teams, which makes me think they're undervalued a little bit. Hmm. Interesting. Very. Uh, that gets into a different conversation, Bob. But we'll save that for another. We'll say hope. Hopefully, there'll be some money spent in coming years, and uh, that's a that's a baseball. Yeah, time. you you hope that. That actually goes back to your original question. Yeah. Could you could you could you get a player out of that yeah. extra income? So yep. yeah. Yep, that's that's the thought that you have around here. Um, I, because I have you, I wanted to bring up the the live golf thing and just sort of get your because you know I'm a dumb guy. We've talked for a long time. You know well enough to know that I I, I certainly qualify as as a stupid person. I don't know. You absolutely don't. But okay. I don't know how this plays out, Bob. I don't know what happens. What are the what are the rules? Like, is there precedent for? When a player ultimately ends up taking the PGA Tour to court, do we know how this? What is the end game going to be for Jay Monahan suspending players from the PGA Tour? Do we know what might happen if we're already seeing that the U.S. Open's not, you know, preventing players from playing, but and we don't think that the other majors will. Although, you know, the PGA Championship, based on their relationship with the PGA Tour, maybe they would be the one that would attempt. To, to prevent players from playing? Like, do we have any sense for what might happen when inevitably this ends up in court? I'll, I'll quote another sports lawyer, Andrew Brandt, who likes to say there will be lawyers, and yeah. obviously this is going to go to court. There will be an antitrust element to it, uh, I suspect, that that ostensibly the PGA Tour will be colluding to harm these individual independent contractors because of their decision to work with other people, I don't know how it comes out because we the golfers aren't aren't employees and they aren't competitive entities; they're independent contractors. And 
you can imply contractual terms more broadly against a number of them. Um, it also remains to be seen. Now, now on a Saudi-backed tour certainly probably has unlimited uh, unlimited economic resources, but it remains to be seen what the quality of play will look like and the interest will show in it. Uh, so it may be nothing more than sort of a kind of a preliminary retirement tour for a number of sure. players. And sure. uh, and it does come, at least at the moment, it comes with uh, at least a, a nasty aftertaste given given the relationship and the politics involving the Saudi government. Uh, no question about that, right? Like, it is, it is, it is unlikable simply for that reason. Uh, I just don't... I just don't know at the end of the day, because, like, you know, there are rules to membership, right? Like, there are whatever rights you feel like you have. You join a homeowners association, and you just... These, these are the rules. You right? can't play in certain events. You can't do certain things. And certainly, some star players, Sevi Ballesteros, uh, Bernard Langer, have played on the European Tour and, and play the majors as a result of that and have not committed to the PGA Tour. So it may be a choice simply like that, that I'll choose to take the large money that comes from being on on this tour because mm-hmm. I don't want to commit to the PGA Tour, and it, and it functions for a while. I, I think there was a really interesting kind of parallel. It's, a, it's an old historical one, but, but World Team Tennis sort of took that for a while, and a bunch of pros boycotted some of the some of the uh, European tournaments. Wimbledon had a big boycott in '73 by professionals, and and a lot of things grew out of it. So it certainly is a period of turmoil, uh, but but ultimately, kind of the traditional tour has almost always survived. And it's the upstart that's either merged or changed. Right. And I do think that the, a lot of people pointed out the idea that ultimately the live tour could end up being a fall series and the PGA tour just kind of holds their nose and says, all right, fine. Our, our fall yeah. events don't really matter. So whatever in order, in order to make peace, we'll just allow for it to be the case. If you're just willing to not go up directly against our events. Yeah, and, I, and I suspect we'll remain for a little while in a bit of a state of war because it's it's advantageous for the live tour to get the publicity for its events, and it's advantageous for the players to to sort of enjoy that. Uh, because again, it it does. If you're not a if you're not a top ranked winner, you're not really losing much by taking the money that goes with the live tour. Bob, I know nil is your wheelhouse. Before I let you go, the word guardrails have come up a lot recently um nick saban's talked about it even uh, here locally mike loxley was just on with me and kind of makes sense he, he he knows nick saban quite well he almost kind of echoed those sentiments as someone who i know like mike loxley has been out front and a huge proponent of nil but even he said look i think we need a few more guardrails for this moving forward what what would that look like what would that be and is it too late to put the toothpaste back in the tube at this point I think it's probably too late to put the toothpaste back in the tube. I mean, I'm not, I'm certainly not expecting congressional action on this, uh, at least in the in the in the not too distant future. I think the thing is that that's problematic is NIL represents a landscape, maybe five or six different buckets of activity, and the big time coaches only see one aspect. Can I get this recruit right now? Will someone transfer off my roster because somebody's making the bigger NIL promise? And at some point, that's got to that's got to kind of cap itself. Uh, there's always been this element of corruption in, inside college athletics. It's existed, and of course, NIL stands for now. It's legal to a degree, right. 
But I think that's a very small element, and we keep talking about that. Um, you know, I think the bigger picture, and fortunately we don't sell it very well, is can I stay and graduate? Do I have a chance to go play in the pros? What are my opportunities to do that? And and, and, and kind of the mercenary aspect of NIL is usually very short money. It doesn't necessarily help you become a pro. It doesn't necessarily move you forward. It really kind of keeps you treading water for forty or $50,000 a year. And, and the first rule of NIL, in my mind, is even though coaches talk about it, no deal is ever as big as it's cracked up to be. Sure. Sure, because there's other people involved, and you know, ultimately, right? Like, and, and do you really earn that money? And how long do you stay? And so, yeah, I, I feel like that's going to be a challenge. We certainly are in an era with the transfer portal of some measure of free agency, some measure of climbing upward into rosters where you get a better chance. But you know, for for a lot of kids, that's not really applicable. And and to some degree, I think I think I think Loxley's probably right in this sense. He's probably had some departures because of at least the promise of a bigger program or NIL. But every school has their own advantage in this space. And rather than worry necessarily about some other schools' advantage, because there hasn't really been parity, Alabama doesn't really have parity with much, much of anybody. Uh, and so interestingly enough, I'd be worried about how I compete in this marketplace and what I can do that's really, really powerful, rather than worry about the how do I disarm Alabama. Robert Boland. Disarmed Texas A&M. Uh, yeah, correct. Yeah, that's uh, right now at the moment. That seems to be the bigger fight. Uh, at Robert Boland ESQ on Twitter is how you follow him. Bob, is there anything that we can plug for you otherwise? I, I'd love to have you plug one thing. I, I'm I'm going to be departing Penn State this month, and okay. I am joining a council to a law firm that has a, a significant sports, hospitality, and leisure practice. A firm called Shoemaker, uh, Loop, and Kendrick. Shoemaker is. Uh, has uh, is a partner that I'm going to be working with as an up counsel is Bennett Spire, who's a very reputable sports lawyer. So the chance to do this on a more consistent basis is something I'm going to be doing out there in the world. And then I'm going to probably announce within the next few weeks that I'm joining the faculty of a law school too. So wow, uh, wow, a lot of movement in my life, but but I'm very happy with with all the changes. Well, congratulations, uh, Bob. Really, I have always appreciate you taking the time for us, and 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 hopefully we don't have many more conversations about. The owner of our team suing the <laughs> this is a very unique one that I hope is a one time. It, it, it is a it is a very unique one. And Major League Baseball, one one last thought is Major League Baseball hates this. Right, they hate the oh, courts no, involved not... in determining value of their franchises right. because the worst thing that happens there, the value and the books can leak out. So they're going to be a lot of putting a lot of pressure on getting this thing settled. I uh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. All right, Bob, thank you so much as always taking the time. Let's talk again soon. All right. Thanks, Glenn. Appreciate it. Robert Boland joining us here on GCR Sports Lawyer. Uh, has been a sports law professor at Penn State, although, as he just said, he's, uh, he's making a move. So look forward to seeing what's next for him. If you missed it last night, Stan the Fan Charles and Ross Grimsley caught up with uh, a pair of uh, very interesting guests. The former director of the Baseball Hall of Fame, Jeff Idelson, and sports photographer Gene Fruth. They have a new baseball book, and it's sort of a picture book. It's a, a history book, Grassroots Baseball. You can find that show right now, facebook.com slash pressboxsports, pressboxonline.com slash video, or youtube.com slash pressboxonline. Still to come this morning, uh, Orioles assistant GM Eve Rosenbaum, and when we come back in, 
I'm looking forward to catching up with Howard Bryant, who you remember from ESPN for years, more recently with Meadowlark Media, uh, Dan Lebetard's group. And he's got a new book out all about Ricky Henderson. It's called Ricky. We're going to talk to him about that next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Hey, Birdland families, this Father's Day, join the O's in celebrating Dad at the Yard as they take on the Tampa Bay Rays Sunday, June 19th at 1.35. Go above and beyond by treating Dad to a fun-filled day with the entire family. Make sure to get to the ballpark early because the first 10,000 fans ages 15 and over will receive an Orioles golf visor. Dad's Day done right this year with the O's. Don't wait until the last minute when planning Father's Day. Secure your tickets now at Orioles.com slash tickets. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGambling help.org that first sip that first bite mm. start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash-fried pork belly with our popular Korean number 2 sauce, and take a bite out of the Crunch Burger topped with home-run sauce, white American cheese, and house-made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball-cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. The 2022 baseball season is in full swing, and the future is brighter than ever for your Baltimore Orioles. I'm Paul Valley, And I'm Zach Goodman. And together we bring you the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon with everything you need to know about the Orioles and baseball as a whole. From veterans like Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, and Ryan Mountcastle, to young stars like Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, and D.L. Hall. We've got you covered for every game, every pitch, and every debut. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressbox sports or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio so join us live on the bat around every saturday from 10 a.m to noon right here at Pressbox sports the toyota tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines you can choose the perfect toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new tacomas from your local toyota dealer today it's statistically proven that the show sounds better if you're not wearing pants like me Right now, you're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue on a Tuesday edition of the program. I have told you a couple times, but this is it as far as the print issue of Pressbox is concerned. If you don't have it yet, you need to race out today because after today, it is G-O-O-N-N-E. Gone. Adley Rutschman's on the cover. Luke Jackson wrote a wonderful cover story all about the Orioles catcher. 
And it'll forever live at PressBoxOnline.com. You'll be able to see it for eternity there. But if you physically want it, if you want it to sit on your coffee table when friends come over and say, oh, that looks nice, Adley Rutschman's there on the cover. Or maybe you want to have it, you've got an upcoming event with Adley Rutschman, you'd like him to sign it and frame it. Whatever it is, you need to get over to your neighborhood Royal Farms today because if you don't, you will forever have to hold your pee. That's the way that it goes. Tomorrow, hitting newsstands, the new edition of Press Box, which is our first ever coaches issue. A salute to coaches. We have titled it. John Harbaugh is on the cover as he prepares to celebrate uh, his 15th season as a head coach in the NFL, which is a rarity these days. And also inside, we recognize Navy football coach Kenny Amatololo, also 15 years, and other coaches from the area, high school, college, men's, women's, who are have either recently reached a milestone or who are approaching a milestone of significance, um, or in the cases of, say, Janine Tucker from Johns Hopkins, Lou Eckerl from Calvert Hall, have recently retired. Um, Pete Karinji from UMBC, Sasha Sorovsky from Maryland, Missy Maharg from Maryland, uh, Mount St. Joe's Pat Clatchy, and uh, poly basketball coach Kendall Pierce, all also recognized inside. And what we did is we allowed uh, players themselves, those whose lives were impacted by these coaches, to tell their stories about what has made these coaches so special, so unique, and able to stand the test of time, evolve, uh, adapt with the the sports, the, you know, as the sports themselves change. So, really looking forward to this issue. It will be available tomorrow at your neighborhood Royal Farms. Sometimes you need to maybe give it a little bit. If you stop by in the morning, it's not there yet. Then wait till the afternoon. Stan the Fan Charles will be out personally delivering them all throughout the day to make sure that you get the new print issue of PressBox, which, again, hits newsstands tomorrow. Very good. We had to do this a little bit earlier on because of uh, his schedule. What's that? Did you send it to me yet? Do you not have it? I do not. Well, that's not good. Let me try again. I don't know why. Mm, for some reason, you know what, Griffin? The email did not send. But in the future, that's something you mentioned during the commercial break. Gotcha. You say, hey, by the way, that interview that we're about to play, I don't have it. Then we don't have this situation pop up where, you know, I go to set up the interview and you say, uh, th- the funny thing about that is just for the future. Again, I, I, Griffin's uh, still getting the eye and I get it. Look, it's on both of us, but just something that we need to handle during a commercial break. Um, neither here nor there. Not relevant to the topic at hand. I I don't. Maybe the internet's being slow today. Maybe that's part of the reason why it is. All right. It should. It should have sent now. You should have it here momentarily. Uh, I guess I dance for a couple of seconds. Let me kill some time. Like what you'll be doing on TikTok soon. That's right. That's right. Well, yeah, don't forget to follow us on TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. As uh, young Carson has been putting up some more content of late, I know we haven't uh, sent out as much video on uh, Twitter. We might be making a change in that department, sort of trying to finalize some plans as far as uh, Twitter video is going to be concerned. As we're looking to get you the content, it is ma- the best way to get the content. Tune in. We're here every day, ten to twelve. We put the entire show up for you to listen to later on. By like one o'clock on almost every day. The show is available on Apple, Spotify, um, Amazon, 
I, I, I don't know, Grinder maybe. I'm not sure. It's available like anywhere where you might possibly get a podcast. So that's the best way to get the content. And you can watch full shows. But I get it. Not everybody wants to devote two, two and a half hours. So I, under, I understand. We're in a new world. So we're trying to meet you in the middle and get out more bits of content in different ways. Video-wise, we are trying some different things. And if you have suggestions, I'm all ears. I know you're going to find this hard to believe because of our smashing, overwhelming success and millions of plays, but we're willing to listen. We're willing to hear from you. As I was saying, I had to do this a little bit earlier on because of uh, his schedule. He's doing what's called a media tour today. Um, but uh, Howard Bryant took a couple minutes for us to chat about his new book, and we're going to let you hear that right now here on GCR. Joining us now, this man, you have read his work or seen him just about everywhere in his career. He's now with the Meadowlark family, and more importantly, available right now, and we've linked it up on our Twitter account, at Glenn Clark Radio, is his new book. It's called Ricky, and it's all about Ricky Henderson. He is Howard Bryant, and he's with us here on GCR Howard, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us. Thanks for having me, Glenn. Absolutely. So what I have to start with is we kind of really don't love talking about Ricky Henderson because, my God, all he ever did was kick our asses here in Baltimore. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and what's funny about that, I was going to say, what's really funny about that is so many baseball fans and so many Baltimore fans have brought that up. (laughs) And Ricky brought it up. Ricky used to say all the time, Baltimore was my medicine. Yeah. And then I went and looked it up, and it was true. He, in his early part of his career, and even later, but especially his first four or five years in the league, he was hitting 450 at Memorial. Right. And it was just incredible how he could just match up so well and, and hit in that ballpark. And I think it also translated to Camden Yards a bit more as well. But for an organization that had a legendary pitching staff. Right. And a pretty damn good catcher, too. Right. Rick Dempsey. But he hit them all pretty well. Palmer, McGregor, Flanny, they hit, he hit them all pretty well. Yeah, this isn't the 2020 Orioles whose asses he was kicking. <laughs> These are good Orioles teams whose asses yeah, yeah, exactly. he was kicking. Exactly. Very good championship-level Orioles teams. So, Howard, I have to tell you, I started, like, I've, I've read the first couple of chapters of the book, and then I did some... I did some uh, selective perusing to to find some more Baltimore related material as the book was going on, and and it was interesting. Like I knew nothing about this relationship. So Ricky, of course, is so, and, and it makes all the sense in the world that this would be a subject that you would want to pursue because he's one of the most fascinating characters in the history of baseball. But what jumped out at me, and I and I almost kind of wondered if it had anything to do. I didn't know about this friendship he had with Walt McCreary, um, who is a young man from Baltimore. Well, and I, I kind of yeah. wondered if it, it had anything to do with why it was that he always kicked their ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, Walt was big into the Baltimore music scene, and Walt would take Ricky all over the place and take him everywhere. And they're still friends to this day. And it's fascinating how they became friends and how he was telling me that, you know, it just it reminds you of what it's like before business becomes business. That he was a kid, they, he, you know, he's a teenager and wants to go to the All-Star game and, the, and Earl Weaver's the manager and you could just sneak into the back of the clubhouse and, and talk to these guys directly and all of those, you know, all of those different pieces of access are completely walled off. It was really fun doing this book and one of the reasons why it was fun was because I really wanted to do a story that could be fun. 
Mm-hmm. And Ricky is a lot of fun. Huge stories, huge personalities. And one of the best things about doing books like this is people like Walt, where you, you know, Ricky's the subject, but these stories are just hilarious. That yep. he, you know, Ricky and Walt were together when Billy Martin got into that massive fight at the Cross Keys Hotel <laughs> with Ed Whitson with his own picture. And, and, and it's just like all of these different stories are just so electric and and they're not the, the the piece about it that i really enjoyed was trying to find a character who could bring out the fun of baseball mm. who could bring out the enjoyment of baseball and pieces of baseball they don't exist anymore they don't steal bases and do the things that ricky did anymore and also where a book wasn't going to be swallowed whole by steroids he was a big character who did big things and people remember him he is Howard Bryan. Again, the book is Ricky. It's available right now. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Howard, I, and I feel like there's the subtext. And, I, you know, again, as I, I dove into the start of the book, there's, there's quite the history lesson um, about Oakland and how it is that, that black people ended up sort of, you know, it, it became a mecca almost for black people for a little while um, in Oakland. And that part of the story, again, for admittedly a... A, a, a white as white can be a sports guy like myself was really important to read and about how Ricky was sort of um, how he became Ricky Henderson, right? Like how his background was yeah, so important exactly. in becoming who he became. I what think, of, go ahead, go ahead, Howard. I, I was just going to say, I'm sorry, there's a bit of a lag. My apologies. But one of the things that I really enjoyed about this was that we talk about the great migration and the great black migration up to Baltimore, up to Philly, mm-hmm. Chicago, Detroit. We talk about all those things. But we never talk about it in terms of sports. We never talk about how these great cities actually got shaped. And you could do it in Baltimore and D.C. as well with all that great basketball talent there, whether it's, you know, Elgin Baylor and the rest of them, you know, the Dunbar kids and all those guys. You know, when we tell those stories, we never trace how those communities came to be. Mm. We do it when it comes to everything else, economics, race, culture, but we never do it with sports. And what I wanted to do here was everyone, of course, talks about the great Oakland story of Bill Russell and Beta Pinton and Ricky and Lloyd Mosby and all these great Oakland guys. Frank Robinson. I to trace, how did they, and Frank Robinson, of course. Robbie, oh my God, I'm talking to Baltimore. didn't mention Frank. Um, how did it happen? Where did they all come from? And the fact that they pretty much all, in a 20-year period, all came from Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas mostly. It really is an American story. It's in, it, it is incredible to see how much talent lived in a 10-block radius, and they all came 1,500 miles away from pretty much the same place. The part that I legitimately did not know how, like I knew that Ricky was a multi-sport athlete. I did not realize how very much baseball was not his sport. Like that part of this not story. Right. Like I had no clue. It was, it's fe- this thing how how it very well could have never happened this unbelievable phenomenon that we all you know i was a young person so i definitely was obsessed with ricky henderson i want you to know that howard like but but very much could have never happened because it was not his passion at a young age well that's right well one of the people that ricky was relating to very well a few years ago was kyler murray the quarterback mm-hmm. for the arizona cardinals and he was talking about because Kyler was picked, you know, was drafted by the Open A's first overall, and he had a choice to make: do you play baseball or do you play football? And Ricky was in that same position years ago. And one of the things he had said about himself, in similarity, similarly to to Kyler Murray, was he plays baseball, but he knows football. 
And that's how Ricky felt about baseball. But his mother felt differently. His mother felt like, hey, if you play football, this could all end on a single play. You're too good. You've got too much of a future as a professional athlete to risk it playing football. And she was the one who really had the, the final say. And then he shifted over to baseball and also shifted to baseball despite the fact that he was expecting a $100,000 signing bonus, ended up getting 10 hmm. but still stuck with it. Well, I mean, by the way, decent decision. <laughs> it worked out okay for <laughs> Turned out to be. And that's the other thing, Glenn, about this book yeah. that I really had fun with, was that we love the Ricky stories. We love the third person. Yep. We love the factor fiction pieces about Ricky. But you know what I got into? This man obliterated the record book. Oh, oh it's my incredible God. incredible oh what my. he did. And at, but in real time, because I remember Ricky, as you do, in real time, people were not talking about him like this is one of the greatest players who ever lived in real time. They did it with other guys. I remember, you know, they talked about Wade Boggs maybe being as good a hitter as Ted Williams, although without the power. But people talk about other players in that way. But I don't ever remember anybody talking about Ricky being in that class until it was almost done. So, and Howard Bryant's with us here on GCR. But Howard, I also think that, and, and again, in doing the selective reading ahead that I did, I feel like some of the subtext is, I don't think we, again, because of the nature of where America was at the time, I don't think we recognize truly how racist some of the reaction was to Ricky Henderson. I think you guys, I think black people probably knew. I think those of us that were, I was a, you know, an eight-year-old white kid, right? Like, I I, yeah, I just exactly. I didn't know well enough to know at that point. Looking back on it, holy crap! The way that we'd react to him enjoying playing the game of baseball—something that we have thankfully at least come around a bit on here in 2022—that it's okay to have fun and play the game and enjoy yourself. It, it was met with a far more um, kind of clearly an obvious racist reaction from traditionalist baseball people as Ricky was obliterating all of these records that you talk about. Yeah, it's the, it's the root of the game, and that's the whole thing. Ba- basketball does a much better job of adapting to the new people who play it. Baseball does a terrible job of adapting. You have to adapt to it, and baseball's roots are pre-integration, turn-of-the-century white game where you're going to play the game the way we tell you to play it. And they're still fighting about whether it's cool to flip your bat or not. Mm -hmm. But it's also something else with Ricky, too, talking about being ahead of your time. Ricky did things that players back then didn't do. If he didn't feel like he could go, he would say so. Today they talk about load management. If if you did that back then, you were a loafer, which they said Ricky was. Ricky was very clear about what he was supposed to earn. When you did that back then, people thought you were a greedy, selfish ball player. So he advocated for himself in a way to, that is common today, but was very rare back then. And as Ricky told me uh, to close the book, he said, how can you steal 1,400 bases if you didn't want to be out there? He loved the game. Hmm. Mm. That's such, it's so, it's so well spoken. You know, I talk, so Howard, I know you're a big tennis guy, and I'm a big tennis guy too. And I was talking recently about, uh, you know, Coco Golf, who makes us run to the, the, the French Open final. And, and I said one of the things I love most about Coco is what I love most about Serena and Venus, which is despite the fact that there are always going to be 
you know, people who either re- don't know they're racist or, or know they're racist that want to take shots at someone and say all you care about is yourself and being a brand and marketing. And you, they go out of their way to tell you how much they love the sport because they play doubles. You know, like Serena and Venus play That's mixed right. doubles. Like they, they could not have played more tennis at a time where they didn't have to. Coco is making a run to the, the French Open final and is playing doubles as she does it. Like not giving up at all. <laughs> Made and a run to both of them. Right, both finals. both finals, exactly right. And it's just, it's an, it, it shows you how much she truly loves the sport. And it's not about herself and branding. It's about the fact that she loves and wants to play. And I think that, that speaks right to what it is that you're talking about with Ricky Henderson, how much he ultimately yeah, did love the sport. That's right, and about excellence. And we say we want excellence, but how many times do we simply want excellence on our terms? But... The one thing that I did know about this subject was all the things we're talking about told me this is a subject that deserves attention. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, it's just, he's so, I, I love, man. I, I absolutely, this is the baseball, Howard, admittedly, this is why I'm okay with the extra inning rule, right? Because I like action in my baseball. Yeah. I like things happening. I don't love the stand around and wait to see if somebody hits a home run for five innings and everybody just strikes out all the time. That part of baseball, I was an upset. I don't like admitting it because he also kicked our asses all the time in Baltimore. I was an obsessed Kenny Lofton fan as well. Like, I... The action is what made baseball so exciting to me as a kid, and it's what's mostly kind of dissipated in recent years. Yeah, and that's why when people talk about Ricky's legacy, I always say, does Ricky have a legacy? He's a unicorn. They don't play the game the way he played it. There are very few. He used to have a legacy. There were plenty of guys, Kenny Lofton being one of them, who came up because they were watching Ricky. Right. But today, they don't play Ricky Henderson's style of baseball anymore. No. No, it it saddens me because I miss it, man. I miss it. It was an exciting time to be a a young kid falling in love with baseball, watching these thrilling athletes that could do so many things. Howard, before I let you go, if I could get a thought from you, it's the finals 3-2. I I don't know. It was was not a pretty basketball game last night. It was a great night for for Wiggins, of course. Um, Is it – are the Celtics – I had this weird, funny feeling that, like, they could go back, win game six, and we know they can win on the road. I just don't think this series is over by any stretch of the imagination. Well, if they're tired, it's over. I mean, I'm looking at Jason Tatum, and he, you know, he shot four air balls in the fourth That's quarter. true. And I felt like the Celtics for the first three games and 44 minutes were by far the better team. I'm not sure I feel that right now. I feel like we're looking at a team, the Warriors right now, who know how to close. They've got a championship core, even though Wiggins and Poole and Gary Payton haven't been there. But Draymond, their coach, Clay, and of course Steph, they know how to finish this. And they are playing right now like a team that knows how to finish. That being said, if the Celtics have a second win, we're not done yet. Yeah. No, no, no. They're big. They're, they're, they can play defense. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. They, they, they did. They certainly – Jason Tatum hasn't been the best player no, on the floor in no, any of the games this series. Not, that's the huge difference maker. Not at all. Uh, really encourage you. I can't wait, Howard, to dive back in. And, and it's such a fascinating story. Ricky is available right now. You can follow Howard Bryant on Twitter at hbryant42. Howard, next time you and I are just going to talk tennis for 20 minutes, all right? That's, uh, that's going to hey, be the way. Call that anytime. Really appreciate you taking the time for us. Thanks so much. Thank you. That's Howard Bryant. Again, the book is Ricky. It is available right now, and we linked it up on our Twitter at Glenn Clark Radio for you to find it there. 
Game six is Thursday night, as we were just talking about, and the place to go to watch it is the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel because there are 61 self-service kiosks for you to get your bets in. And there are so many props available for each and every game during the NBA Finals that you can end up making a lot of money. Big crowds for finals games in the FanDuel Sportsbook. Food's great at Sports and Social. Atmosphere is awesome with the 100-foot media wall, and they've got other games. Like if you were betting college baseball last night, they had that up on another screen. So what I would encourage you to do, email events at sportssocialmd.com. Events at sportssocialmd.com right now if you want to reserve your spot for Game 6. If you want to proactively... Make plans for Sunday night should there be a Game 7. I would encourage you to do the same thing. Email events at sportssocialmd.com. Hey, if there's a Game 7, we're going to want to be there. We want to have our own table. I got a group of folks coming out. Or we want to have our own set of reclining chairs. I got three sections of reclining chairs in the FanDuel Sportsbook. And it's you know typically first come, first served. And if you don't want to have to get there at like 6 o'clock for a 9 o'clock game then get your reservation in now because the crowds get big once the game starts. Everybody matriculates over to the FanDuel Sportsbook. Everybody's watching the game. Everybody's getting their bets in. Everybody's trying to be a winner. You want to bring your people out. You want to make a night of it. You want to have fun in the FanDuel Sportsbook. Email events at sportssocialmd.com. That's the best way to go about doing it. All right, still to come this hour, Eve Rosenbaum is going to join us. Talk a little bit about uh, Ravens minicamp when we come back in. Um, gets underway officially today. We know Lamar Jackson is there because we he was in the building yesterday. Had a bit of a media day, the Ravens did. And I'll give my two cents on Derek Wolf, who a lot of you are mad, about, uh, mad at. So we'll talk about that next. It is a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Are you ready, soccer fans? This summer, the English Premier League returns to Baltimore. Arsenal, Everton, square off in the Charm City match, July 16th, under the lights at M&T Bank Stadium, home of the Baltimore Ravens. This is your only opportunity to take in a Premier League match this summer in the Mid-Atlantic region. Individual and group tickets are on sale at BaltimoreRavens.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com that first sip that first bite Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. 
It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Hey, be more. The Orioles 2022 Birdland Summer Music Series presented by Miller Lite kicks off Friday, June 17th with Flow Rider. After the O's take on the Tampa Bay Rays, stay for the post-game concert and watch Flow Rider perform live from the infield. The concert is free to all fans who attend the game, with the option to add special on-field access. With hit singles like My House and his latest single, Wait, what better way to watch Flo Rida perform live at Camden Yards on June 17th? Buy tickets now at Orioles.com slash music. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. FanDuel Sportsbook Assistant GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Thursday, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with our popular Korean number two sauce, and take a bite out of the crunch burger topped with home run sauce, white American cheese, and house made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. Don't forget that full episodes of the show are available for free on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. But warning, you get what you pay for. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. Uh, by the way, Fox Bet has the Ravens with the third best odds of being the team that trades for Terry McLaurin. The Indianapolis Colts at plus 200, the Packers at plus 300, and the Ravens at plus 450. Um, not action you can get in the FanDuel Sportsbook because it's absurd and it's purely hypothetical. I don't think that, and I don't know enough about FoxBet to know if that's something you can actually bet on or if... Um, Probably make a lot of money. What's that? Probably, like people just throwing money on that? They're like, oh yeah, I know he's going to the Ravens. Well, they would make a lot of yeah, money. Yeah, they yeah, yeah. They would make a lot of money. They would make a lot of money. I don't know why the books wouldn't do it. Um, okay, so... I want to get into the Derek Wolf thing for just a minute here. Eve Rosenbaum, who was just elevated to assistant general manager uh, of the Baltimore Orioles, is going to join us in a few minutes. Looking forward to having a conversation with her. The Derek Wolf thing is is a little ugly to me, and I'm not just talking about the one guy that like sent the the Instagram message, Derek Wolf's wife, and and like if you've ever done that, you are you are a pimple on the ass of society. Like, I just can't fathom it. I can't fathom as a human being. Now, this person might be 12 years old. I don't know. It just might be someone who doesn't have a fully functioned brain. This person might have other problems. They might not be mentally stable. I cannot fathom waking up in the morning as an adult human and thinking that an appropriate thing to do would be to send a nasty message to the wife of an athlete because you're mad that they're hurt. I I just can't fathom it. 
or even if you think it's worse than that. I can't fathom if somebody was genuinely awful thinking that would be an appropriate thing to do. I, I have no idea. I hope it's just one person, but I, I know better. I don't know where how lost we are as a society. These are the ways we think. But I see it constantly. Media members get it. I just cannot imagine what is going on in your life that that is something that you think you should be spending time doing. And I get it. I remember being young and having more time on my hands and doing a lot of stupid things. Like, I do remember what that was like. Now, I I couldn't fathom where the time would come from, right? When you have kids and you got all those. I got eight jobs. I don't have time to do the things I need to do. But I do remember being young and doing dumb things. I just can't fathom specifically this. What in the F is wrong with you? But that's kind of beside the point. The easiest thing for me to say is, no matter what the situation is, never, ever, 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 under any any circumstances, think it's okay to send nasty F you messages to an athlete the spouse of an athlete, anyone connected to an athlete, or frankly, any human being that you don't know in such a personal way that they understand it's a joke and you guys can have fun with it. Get a hold of yourself. Like We, we desperately need reality checks sometime. What are you doing with your life? Derek Wolf. At hip surgery, again. And a lot of Ravens fans are mad because they remembered seeing a video of Derek Wolf or a picture or whatever it was on Instagram of him carrying a bear over his back on a hunting trip recently. Tony Jefferson pointed it out in a tweet that he then later deleted. I don't know what's going on with Derek Wolf. And I think it's important. I understand the optics make it seem like one of a couple of things happened. Derek Wolf knew he was going to need another surgery and was willing to risk his health in order to do something unrelated to football. You think that Derek Wolf is could have had another surgery months ago but prioritized going on a hunting trip instead of getting the surgery. That Whatever it is that you think you know that has decided that means you now hate Derek Wolf. You have no effing idea of what you're talking about. Is it possible that Derek Wolf is prioritizing his uh, interests in life over the Baltimore Ravens? Yeah, that's possible, I guess. It's quite possible is it equally if not more likely that these things don't have anything to do with each other yeah yeah it's equally if not more likely that these things have no connection whatsoever that Derek Wolf physically was capable of going on a hunting trip and mauling a bear and then saw another doctor and another doctor said dude you need another hip surgery is it also possible that Derek Wolf knew that the Ravens were thinking about releasing him anyway, considering what they've done this offseason, bringing back Michael Pierce, signing Brent Urban, 
Like the, the, he looked at it and said, the writing's on the wall. I'm My time might not be long here and said, whatever medical procedures I need to get done, I'm going to get them not done now before the Ravens release me. Also possible. Here's what I know. You don't know what you're talking about. You're talking out of your ass, which is what we do best. For the most part, it's what sports media is. I don't know what's going on with Derek Wolf. I don't. I'd love to know more about the timeline. I'd love to get those answers. And at some point, presumably, Derek Wolf will give some of those answers. I know, I guess he's involved with some sort of hunting podcast, so maybe he'll do that. I don't know. Maybe I'll send him a text, reach out to him at some point, see if he wants to talk about it. I'm going to guess the answer will be no, but we'll do it anyway. We talk out of our asses. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, I'm disappointed by how things have gone since the Ravens gave Derek Wolf an, an extension. It hasn't worked out. It's disappointing. That's a bummer. Making allegations that Derek Wolf is like sabotaging the Ravens or something along those lines, you have no effing clue what it is that you're saying. None. Zero. I get it. The Ravens are paying Derek Wolf, and because they are, you'd like for him to be out there helping the football team. And this seems to make it unlikely, uh, based on the timeline, almost impossible that he would be there at the beginning of the season to help the football team. And after a year ago when there was much confusion about the nature of his injury and John Harbaugh sort of saying, I don't really understand what's going on there, it has built up an amount of animosity towards Derek Wolf because it's been a complete season and now likely more since he's been on a football field. And it leads to things like you're stealing money or whatever nasty things it is that you want to say. I don't know what the truth is. I don't. And I can stand in front of you and say I don't know what the truth is. And instead of just determining it for the sake of attention on the internet, I'm willing to wait and maybe find out. And if the Ravens feel like things are untenable with Derek Wolf at some point, like if they feel as though he's sabotaging them or something along those lines, they'll probably go ahead and make a decision on their own. But I get it. At this point, there's not a lot to be gained from it. Releasing him does not save you much in the way of money. If at some point he could play football again, you never know when somebody else might get hurt, you ride it out until the contract is up. It's a bummer that it's worked out this way. It's football. But remember, football doesn't hand out guaranteed contracts. Remember that a football team is always happy to toss you aside. We don't like to talk about that. But a football team, even if you do the job necessary, even if you perform at a high level if it doesn't work for them monetarily, football teams are happy to toss you aside. No matter what contract you signed. Never forget that when we have these conversations. Because football players don't. Because they know. This is not a we'll lay everything on the line for you type of partnership. We want you to give everything to us, but understand we can take it right away from you. First moment, it doesn't 
we don't, we don't, you know, you kind of disappoint us a little bit and the math works out. First opportunity we have, we can take it away from you. That's the reality of it. It's the reality of why more players are going to seek fully guaranteed contracts moving forward because they're going to say, we want the, we want to take the power that we have. What's the story with Derek Wolf? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not all that worked up about it. I don't think ultimately it's going to be the difference in whether or not the Ravens win the Super Bowl. I don't think Derek Wolf, his availability will be the singular difference in whether the Ravens win the Super Bowl this season. Certainly I uh, would prefer for him to be on the football field, but if he's hurt, he's hurt. That's the reality of the situation. Stop saying stupid things on the internet. Stop attack. Whatever you do, do not send nasty messages to someone or their wife. My God, what is wrong with you? All right. Um, excited for this next conversation. This is our first opportunity to catch up with her, and it was just announced last week that she has moved into the role of assistant general manager for the Baltimore Orioles, something that is still not you know, wholly common for uh, women in baseball to be put into these sort of top executive roles. So very much a trailblazer in the sport. It's a pleasure for us to welcome into the program Eve Rosenbaum, who's with us now here on GCR. Eve, it's Glenn. It's great to chat with you. Thank you for taking the time for us, and congratulations on the new gig. Hi, Glenn. Thank you, and thanks for having me on. It's great to chat with you, Eve. I, a couple things right out of the shoot. One, like... I, I have I, Jay Moore did this wonderful profile of you, and and we're friends, the folks at Jay Moore. And I, I saw in there you talking about being, you know, around the Orioles growing up. You were in Maryland, and then I was perusing, doing my own research, and I I saw your Harvard bio, and I happened to notice there was a line in there about you being a Red Sox fan. Um, so I need to deal with that. <laughs> Um, tell me the story, your baseball fandom growing up. Were you an, an Orioles fan? How did the Red Sox become part of the equation? We know, obviously, you're all Orioles now. We understand that. Mm-hmm. But what is your background is in your baseball fandom? Yeah, that's a good catch for sure. So, uh, you know, I grew up an Orioles fan. I was at you know, opening day for Camden Yards. We used to drive up from uh, Bethesda to Baltimore probably about 60 to 70 times a year um, to – to go to games. My, my twin brother was just in town for the Paul McCartney concert and we were reminiscing about uh. how as like 10 year olds, we were staying up until midnight or one in the morning. Cause we drove to all these games. Um, so the, you know, the Orioles have always been my first and foremost team. Uh, my mom is from uh, Newton, Massachusetts. Okay. So right and um, it's very hard to get someone who grew up a Red Sox fan to stop being a Red Sox fan. So when the Red Sox had that, you know, very dramatic run in the early 2000s, we were all pulling for the Red Sox um, because of that. Just getting to see my mom and her family so happy with them winning was was really special. And then when I was in college, um, I interned for the Red Sox. That was actually my first job in sports. Oh, that's was, cool. Uh, my sophomore year, I interned for them. So were you doing the bit where you were rooting for both the Orioles and the Red Sox? Because I feel like that would have to be awkward. Yeah, I think that was probably what happened, um, and yeah, it was probably a little awkward, but you know, as I said, <laughs> uh, in Boston, there's so many colleges there, and everyone who comes into town just becomes a fan of all these Boston sports teams. You can see right now with the Celtics, so that's something we got to strive for here uh, in, in Baltimore, just getting everyone who comes into town to be an Orioles fan. All right, so you got to, you were at the concert. What, what a magical night that was, by the way, on Sunday. I am... Um... 
I, I spent quite a few dollars on, t- and I, 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 if I would have spent three times as much, I would have still been happy. My God, what a night that was at the ballpark on Sunday night, huh? Yeah, it was awesome. I'm a, I'm a huge music fan. Love going to concerts. Huge Beatles fan. And this is a fun fact. This is something no one. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever talked about this in any of my interviews. In uh, eighth grade, when I was at Pyle Middle School in Bethesda, we had to participate in a Maryland History Day, which was part of National History Day. We had to do this big project, and I did mine on the Beatles and the British Invasion. Wow. I, I won that. I went to the finals for State History Day. So I've been a huge, huge Beatles fan like ever since that. Had you ever seen Paul before? I have seen him, yeah. Okay, all right. Uh, Fenway. Oh, <laughs> I, I, the irony of that. I had never, amazing, and I'm, I'm an obsessed fan, and I had never seen him before, so I was like in tears on Sunday. I was, yeah. like, my wife looked over at me like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm, I'm not. This is, this is really Yeah, meaning, he was rocking out. Right? Awesome. Oh, it was so cool. Um, Eve, you know, moving into this role now, and just the title itself, the significance of it to you, and, and what we alluded to, knowing, hey, this is still a rarity um, what does that mean to you now that you've kind of moved into your own path kind of as a trailblazer within the sports? Yeah. Um, you know, for me, I, first and foremost, I'm focused on the team and, and having a winning team here in Baltimore. And that's, you know, 90% of what I think about. Um, but yeah, I do recognize that, uh, women are sort of, uh, still making a name for ourselves in baseball, but it's not just in baseball, it's in sports and uh, from a larger scale, it's just in you know, in large corporations and businesses in general, it's still celebrated whenever women climb the ranks. So what I am hoping for is that this is, you know, a big step on the path to this just becoming normalized. Uh, and I was even, um, yesterday was a super nice day out in Baltimore. So before our game started, I walked to a local shave ice place uh, where I live and I was passing Little League fields. And honestly, I was thinking like, you know what would be cool is one day if a woman were to coach a boys' little league team and none of the boys were like, why is this happening? Like, she doesn't know about baseball. That's the goal, I think, is just to have women be able to be involved in baseball and have no one bat an eye. I know. We're chatting with Eve Rosenbaum, the assistant general manager of the Baltimore Orioles. I know uh, there's been a lot uh, made recently. Kelsey Whitmore pitching in the Atlantic League. You played baseball growing up, and, and obviously there's – you know, softball is, is so big even of itself, but, like, do you see baseball specifically becoming more of a route for women, even on the on the playing level, that we see more of this in coming years where where, where young girls say, look, I, I like softball, but I want to play baseball. Like, I want to continue on that path. Yeah, it could be, and that's actually something that um, one of my mentors, actually, again, from the Red Sox, uh, Charles Steinberg, who worked for yeah. the Red Sox for a long yep. time, um, and he, he was a big mentor, helped me get started in baseball, and has guided me since. Um, that's something that he's been working on, is getting more women involved in, in baseball. Um, I've always thought, and he and I have always talked about this, is that if women do get involved in baseball, it's likely to be as um, pitchers. And I think we have seen that. Um, what I think the biggest challenge is, and I wouldn't necessarily say this is a challenge, uh, it's just that softball is a really, really fun game. Sure. And you know, the Women's College World Series was just on ESPN. Kevin Brown, our announcer, yep. announces it. It is a super fun game to watch. It is fast-paced. Um, there's a lot of bunts. There's a lot of running. Um, every every uh, ball in the infield, it's just a bang-bang play at first base. Um, I actually think baseball can learn from that, from just making the game more exciting for fans, making the game more fast-paced. Um, so I think like when I made the switch from baseball to softball, it wasn't because I didn't have the opportunities in baseball. It was because – 
you know, softball was right there and it was super fun and I wanted to get involved in that. The atmosphere in Oklahoma City is so unreal too, by the way. Like it's definitely, oh, nice. it's moving into my my bucket list of I have to go experience that at some point because yeah. the atmosphere yeah, is just insane. Eve, Eve, why baseball for you? What, you know, I, I, again, learning about you, you were a soccer player, you were a baseball player, ultimately played softball at Harvard. Was there, was there a moment, was there something in your life that made you say, baseball is what I want to pursue. It is my passion. Was there something that you can point to or a person that you met that made you say, this is the reason why baseball was the path for me? Yeah, I don't know if there's one particular moment. It was more just that I grew up with baseball in my blood and it comes from my parents. My mom, huge baseball fan. She watches every single Orioles game and she stays up until the very end and then she texts me about it. Um, you know, even in her 70s, she's staying up and watching every single game. Um, so she grew up a big baseball fan. My dad, massive, massive baseball fan. Our He's a big sports memorabilia collection. He he grew up uh, uh, in Toledo, Ohio, so he's actually a long-suffering uh, Guardians fan. Okay. At um, but so I just grew up with, with baseball in my blood, and my parents tell me that I learned how to throw a ball before I learned how to walk, and they actually have the uh, video evidence of that. So <laughs> it, it, it was just, yeah, it was just, I, I always loved the game is what it is. I actually had a met when my, when my, my older son, I got a seven and a five-year-old, my older son was was a toddler before he could walk. One night he started sign a half throwing rolling a ball to me, and it was like the first time I realized we were playing catch. And I was like, I'm, I'm a mess. I'm, like, I'm the, the fatherhood has done yeah. that to me, right? Where like everything, I'm the softest human being alive now. Where I was like literally in tears because I realized I was playing catch with my son for the first time, and I'm like, yeah. oh my god, this is unbelievable. Yeah, that's great. That's nice to hear. Um, how does your mother handle it now when the, the Orioles play the Red Sox? What is what is that <laughs> what does that look like? And like when there's a big playoff series. In a couple of years, is is she utterly com- completely capable of putting aside her lifelong love, or is there some conflict involved with that? It's... You know, I think um, like a lot of uh, mothers, at the end of the day, she's going to root for her kids. Yeah. So I think the uh, the Orioles will pull out ahead. But um, right. yeah, when she goes to the games, she she comes to a lot of the games here in Baltimore, and then I actually have a my older brother and his two kids live in Boston, so we still have family connections there. So. Um, they all go to a lot of games there, but uh, everyone actually sort of does a little bit of like a half Boston, half Orioles thing, um, like a Boston hat or an Orioles shirt. Um, you know, that's how people like to rotate. We're trying to, you know, teach my niece and nephew about, you know, being good sports and, um, you know, not booing the other team and things like that. <laughs> sort of being uh, there like 50-50 helps with that. Yeah, boy, that's uh, that's tough, though. <laughs> like, yeah. That is, uh, you, you go to some of these games, it's tough to, but why is everybody else booing? I don't understand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's tough. Yeah. Especially, yeah, yeah, Boston fans are very passionate. Yes, you know, it's, yes. It's good lessons to start. Start with uh, being young. Uh, all right. So you mentioned, uh, as Eve Rosenbaum's with us here on GCR, you mentioned your priority is the team, of course. And, you know, we're in an interesting time, right? As, as, as you take on this new title and this new position, we feel like we've reached the point where there's fruit from the rebuild process. And, you know, we've seen this season, I keep using the word pleasant, right? Like, I think a lot of people... Uh, their expectations were low for this year's team, and and this team has surpassed um, those expectations so far. And it feels like we're moving into that. How how close do you feel, Eve, this team is? And do you feel like we're getting into the next couple of years where 
the efforts of the rebuild can be met with maybe an acquisition or two to bring this team into a place to be able to compete in what is the most brutal division in all of baseball? Yeah, that's a great question. I think you're spot on. I think it's over the next few years is when this team is really going to take a step up and we're going to see even more of the fruits of our labor of the rebuild um, come into play. You know, what's happening this year is prospects are are coming up when they're ready and they're getting their chances. Um, And what we need to happen over the next few years is the prospects to sort of get their get their feet wet, get the first-year sort of jitters or their first-year difficulties that all prospects tend to face, get that behind them. And then all of a sudden we're going to turn around over the next couple of years and our team is going to be just filled with these great prospects who we've acquired from the draft and we've acquired from the trade, uh, from various trades we've made, and then also um, international. So I really think it's over the next few years when this team is going to have this big shift in the faces who you see and the players are going to be more uh, accustomed to the major league playing level. And then at that point, the team is going to be this young, exciting team that's really going to be able to compete uh, in the, in the ALE. So I think we're starting to see that now. It's sort of like a a trickle right now. And soon we're going to open the faucet and even more players are going to rush out into the majors, but it's all about what's best for the players and our player development department spends a lot of time doing that and making sure that when the players do get called up and they do Mm -hmm. get their shot in the majors that they're ready for it that they're ready for it physically that they're ready for it mentally that they're ready for it defensively offensively we want these guys when they come up to the majors to be ready to succeed we don't want them to be uh sort of overwhelmed by the level of competition so it's as more guys hit those check marks of being ready that's when we're going to see the team really take a turn and be very exciting. Is is it too early to think that that is like next year? Like, is, and not saying next year you're trying to win a World Series, right? That's that. I think that any reasonable person would probably say that's it's a bit aggressive. Although, I, I hope I'm wrong about that, right? I hope that you're laughing at me next October and saying you didn't think we could do this. Um, but is it too early to think that next year could be? Hey, we see some of the la- you know the labors of of this effort, and now we're ready to maybe add something, a, a pitcher, something along those lines to to t- help take that next step in this process. Yeah, again, I think you're spot on. Uh, which is very rarely do you see a team sort of go from like worst to first uh, over the course of right. one year. Um, it's more uh, just a, a gradual ascent. And I think we are at the beginning of that gradual ascent. So next year will be another step forward. Are we going to be you know, taking down the other behemoths in the AL East next year? No, I don't know. But I think we definitely are going to have a shot. And I'm going to be super excited along with all the fans and everyone who works here at the Orioles to sort of sit back and see what happens. Because you absolutely can't count us out for next year. Um, you know, but at the same time, like you said, I don't think our expectations for next year are going to be that all of a sudden we're going to win uh, a World Series. But I do think next year is going to be um, very exciting. But there's just a lot of moving parts to know, you know, exactly how we think we're going to finish in the AL East. But uh, I think you can see it right now that you know the team is going to be exciting and we're going to win games and it's going to be fun to be here at Camden Yards. Eva, I'm by no means expecting you to break news with me or like give me a definitive answer, but you know that there's a lot of emotions surrounding Trey Mancini in Baltimore. I, I can only imagine what it's like inside the organization when you have these conversations about a player's future, knowing what someone means. Can, can you just generically tell me about like the difficulty of that conversation as you guys try to do what's right for, for the team, for the franchise, for the fan base, all, checking all of these boxes when you have these types of conversations? 
Yeah. Again, you must. You're you're definitely a, a good baseball analyst because you, you're hitting everything on the nose here. There there are a lot of things we have to look at. We look at the role of the player uh, on the field where he plays defensively. We look at the role of the player offensively. Uh, you know how he compares to other guys in our lineup. We look at uh, how he fits in with the clubhouse. Is he a leader? Setting a good example for um, the other. Uh, younger guys on the team um you know how he works with the coaches is he changing a swing does he how does he deal with adversity can he bounce back after a few strikeouts or a few bad games and i'm not talking about trey here when i use the word he when i use the pronoun he i'm referring to every player that's sure. how we look at every player in the majors so that's just the process we're going to go through with trey obviously he's the leader in the clubhouse now along with our other veterans um means and mullins and he's been absolutely uh indispensable for that um, so we just have open conversations with both him and his agent, uh, and we sort of take things one day at a time. But I can tell you right now, he's he's absolutely killing it right now. My he's, God, he's a really good guy to have in the clubhouse. Um, you know, but right now our concern, actually, from the game last night, we're just hoping his uh, his sort of like sore hand um, sure. clears up. So yeah, that's why you just got to take things one day at a time. And then, you know, before I let you go, if I could, just a moment. Cienal Perez, I, I did not realize this was a player that you were involved with originally yeah. with Houston all these years ago. To see this breakthrough for him and the unbelievable season he's been having now in Baltimore, um, how meaningful is that to you? I, I, I Look, I know you know you can do this, but there's got to be some amount of, like, significance to seeing something like this for a player that you were so heavily involved with and their path to this point. Yeah, for sure. It's it's just really cool to have him on the team here. And when he first came into the clubhouse and I was there and he came up and he recognized me and I got to ask him about his family and his kids and all these people who I'd met. Uh, I think it was five years, 2017 or 2015, it was seven years ago when uh, we originally signed him in Houston. So that was just really nice to be able to reconnect. Uh, and it is extra special being able to see him really thrive for the first time under our wings here in Baltimore. He, um, when we signed him in Houston, we knew he had this enormous potential because he had five different pitches. He was throwing 97, 98. He had good command. Um, and, you know, we were wondering, based on his development, you know, is he going to continue to be a starter? Is he going to switch to the bullpen? Um, and as we've seen, he's getting a lot of success now uh, in, in the pen. Uh, but he sort of bounced around. He was with Houston, went to the Reds, couldn't really find a home. That just happens sometimes. It's, it's nothing against the individual player, but it's just about what does the team's roster look like at the moment and what are they trying to do. Obviously, Houston was uh, and still is in, in you know, the top of their peak competitive years. Um, so it was really hard just to find a place on the roster and stick. Um, but here in, in Baltimore, we've had some more runway to give guys who are sort of younger and still figuring things out. We've we have space for them to be on the team, and he's he's uh, competing and he's succeeding. So it, it is it's extra special to see him do that here. Uh, also with Chris Holt, who was with us mm. in Houston as well, just to see him sort of reacquainted with the original people who he knew in baseball and to see him thrive is a really special feeling. Uh, it's it's remarkable. He's been an incredible story for this season of Orioles baseball. Eve Rosenbaum, really appreciate the conversation. Uh, would love to do it again down the road. Uh, congratulations again on uh, moving into this role and continuing to blaze a path. I, I know you've talked a lot about those that came before you, and I can only imagine how neat it's going to be for you to hear uh, other women in the future talk about what you meant to them. Um, so that's a really remarkable thing. Looking forward to those conversations. And, again, thank you for taking the time for us this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me, and I'm sure I'll talk to you again.
Eva Rosenbaum, uh, assistant general manager of the Baltimore Orioles. Appreciate her taking the time. And again, it's an interesting conversation because the significance of the moment and the promotion for her um, kind of met with, okay, but yeah, I also like to talk about baseball. Like I just want to talk about what's heading, what's coming for the Orioles and where the timeline is and, and what the plans are. And so um, sort of a fascinating conversation um, with a, a very remarkable person. There's no doubt about that. All right, we're winding down for our portion of the program today. Let's go ahead and get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. And I got bad news. I was just told, like, it's it's over, Jack. If you missed it, you missed it. Spring seasonal menu, gone, daddy, gone. It's on you, not on me. I mean, it's always worth going to Glory Days Grill because they still have all the great wings and ribs and the delicious Korean number two sauce. And you know how much I love the food at Glory Days Grill. You just might have missed out on some of the spring seasonal menu items. But later this month, the summer seasonal menu will be arriving. I always get excited when I find out what's on the seasonal menus at Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com is the website for you to find out more. Get your order in right now. Tidbits. Okay, so even with zero made threes last night in Game 5 of the NBA Finals, Steph Curry still holds the record for uh, the most threes made in a Finals career uh, by a very healthy margin. So he has 146 over his Finals career. Uh, and Clay Thompson, with his five threes last night, he moved into second place with 104. Um, so, Glenn, can you tell me who Clay passed so and also who the top 12 are for most three pointers made in, in the NBA Finals throughout in the, their career? In the NBA Finals specifically, yes. Three pointers made. Uh, I'll still say Clay is on that list. Yes, yeah. So, Clay, Clay's two. Curry and Clay are one yeah. and two. That is not surprising. 104 uh, for Clay, 146 for Steph. Kobe. Kobe is there. He is uh, five, six, seven, he's eighth on the list. He has 48 three-pointers uh, made. LeBron. There you go. Number three, who Clay passed last night. LeBron has 101 threes made in his finals career. And then there's a steep drop-off after that. Yeah, like that's the funny thing is like those yeah. are the names you think of. Although I'm I'm surprised Kobe isn't higher on the list yeah. with as many appearances in the final. I mean, like the guy was in the final six times, right? Like I'm surprised he is. Kobe played in 37 games. 37 um, finals games. But you know there was an era where the big men were kind of dominant. So like you think about those Spurs teams, and you're like, I don't know, could. Is it possible that Tony Parker's on the list just somehow? But it seems unlikely. Tony Parker. Tony Parker is not in the top 12. Manny Ginobili. Ginobili. There he is. Yes, he is number 11. Okay. 42. Man, right. Not that many. 42 threes for Manu Ginobili. Um, somehow Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr is not on there. I mean, by volume, that makes sense, right? But, like, just by opportunity, yeah. like, he, he could have somehow figured out a way to be on the list. All right. We're going to have to – we're going to end up having to, to – Okay. To speed this up. Uh, th- I mean, you know, think great three-point shooters. Like, uh, well, I'm trying to think of a good hint here. Some people have played with LeBron. Some people that played with LeBron? Yeah. Dwayne Wade? No, not Dwayne Wade. Played Kyrie? That Kyrie is not top 12, but he, he has made 30 in his career. Oh, that's remarkable. Yeah, he's tied with Pippen. Con- considering he doesn't have that many. Yeah. Irving's played in... I mean... I, 13 games he's made 30. Somebody who played with LeBron... Yeah. That's a great. All right, just tell me. We, we got it. It's Ray 11. Allen. I mean, you don't think. Okay, you're Ray right Allen, that he did, yeah. but that's not how you associate Ray Allen. Okay, sorry. Like, you don't well, associate Ray Allen as a. a, uh, a J.R. Smith also has 50. He's four. Well, that's stunning. Yeah, that one is stunning. That's, I mean, I get it. No, you, you think about it, though. Like, you remember in that one in the series they won, he definitely knocked down a ton. I guess I. 
Danny Green also fifty nine oh, threes. Again, you know, that's Robert Ory fifty six. Right, I should have gotten it. If if this had been a normal day, I would have yeah. gotten a couple of Derek these. Derek Fisher also forty eight. Yeah, I mean, Durant has forty three in fifteen finals appearances. Okay, that makes sense actually. Monte Ginobili forty two, and Michael Jordan rounds out the and top I, twelve. And I would have gotten the yeah, Jordan with forty two as well. Right. It, it's a good tidbit. I, unfortunately, <laughs> we just did not have the time today for all that. Um, uh, anyway, this is tubular. Tubular is brought to you by. That, but good job. I'm not. I, I'm, I don't want you to think that I'm disparaging. Thank you. You I picked my good, good ones for the short time. The days we have short time. Yeah. Unfortunately, we just ran out of time today. We are late getting to uh, simply the bets. Um, here's tubular. I don't have to give it to anybody. Tubular, brought to you by me. Me. Tonight, Orioles, Blue Jays continue their four-game set up in Toronto. Jordan Lyles on the mound against Yusei Kikuchi. First pitch just after 7 on Masson 2. Masson's got Braves Nationals at 7. It's also on MLB Network and the rest of the country. TBS has Rays Yankees at 7, Angels Dodgers at 10. MLB Network for White Sox Tigers at 7 locally. Fox Sports 1, CONCACAF Champions League, the United States and El Salvador at 10 o'clock. ESPN, Phoenix Mercury, Washington Mystics at 7. Seattle Storm, Minnesota Lynx at 9. Fox Sports 1, UEFA Nations League, Germany and Italy. Well, that's a good one, 2.45 this afternoon. FS2 for Armenia and Scotland getting underway in a few minutes. The USA Network for WWE NXT coming up tonight at 8. Anything non-sports-wise? Not really. Uh, MasterChef Junior uh, is do, on tonight. I do love that. This is yeah, the semifinals. Moved, yeah, they're moved, they moved up, I guess, because they're, they're usually uh, on Thursdays. They, they, they didn't air on Thursday because it was the night oh, okay. of the um, of the uh, the hearings. Uh, okay. on, uh, so they just decided to push it back to Tuesdays. Gotcha. Yep. Also, Jennifer Lopez documentary. Interested in that? Nope. Not Maybe not she'll trash Alex Rodriguez. Nope, don't care. Don't care. That's on Netflix, right? Yeah, that's, that's the that one where on it's the one she, where she said it was a mistake for her to share the stage with Shakira. Like it was a mistake <laughs> for Jennifer. No, fact, I get it. Jennifer Lopez is lovely, but as I said then, like she does not have the catalog to justify her being the Super Bowl halftime performer. We're just all so horny that we're like, oh, this was great. It was fine, but she does not have iconic songs. She just has songs that were like poppy, and and she's very famous. It sounds like I'm taking a stab at uh, Jennifer Lopez. Eh, it's a dumb thing to say. All right. Uh, thanks today to Eve Rosenbaum. Thanks also to Howard Bryant as well as to Robert Boland. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the tab at glennclarkradio.com. On the program tomorrow, we are going to catch up with Bubba Aline uh, from the University of Maryland who had a hell of a season, first-team All-American, now getting ready for the MLB draft. Also on the program tomorrow, Jordan Westberg, after he was promoted to uh, Norfolk, is going to check in with us, and uh, Drew will probably join us, talk some U.S. Open stuff and things in general. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the Charm City Match, Great Eights Memorabilia, the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Thanks to Ryan at Rexpex Ryan. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Tuesday night. Go Birds. Go U.S. Soccer. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks, too. If you're with us on video, give us a minute. We'll be back. If you're with us on audio, do nothing. Simply the Bets is next.
And welcome in to Simply the Bets, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Busy week this week. The conclusion of the NBA Finals, the start of the Stanley Cup Final, and the U.S. Open all on tap this week. The place to be for all of it is the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Reserve your spot for any of these events. And big crowds expected for Thursday in Game 6. And should there be a Game 7 on Sunday, big crowds expected. So make sure you reserve your table, reserve your reclining chairs, whatever it is that you're looking for in the FanDuel Sportsbook by emailing events at sportssocialmd.com. 61 self-service kiosks in the FanDuel Sportsbook for you to get your bets in for all of these huge events coming up this week. We come right out of the shoot this week with our buddy out in Vegas at VEASAN. He is Mr. Aaron Oster. He's going to offer us his five L's of betting this week. He uh, somehow magically managed to hit on the under for Keegan. I can't. This is one of the most ridiculous hits in Aaron's history. Aaron, good morning, my friend. How are you? I need my producer to bring up Aaron. I'm so sorry. I don't Okay. Gotta gotta lock that up, Griffin. Sorry. Got a new producer working on things. Aaron, what's up, buddy? How are you? I'm doing well, as you said. I uh, had an interesting week last week, uh, but I'm getting a lot of props, so that's always a good thing. Uh, how in the hell did Keegan Thompson only give up five hits while giving up seven runs last Tuesday hey. night? Hey, it's like I said, part of the reason I liked that was because I thought he'd get hooked early. But, yeah. uh yeah. yeah. Yeah, it worked out. Yeah, that that part that part is not stunning. It's not the early hook. It's the fact that somehow he got his ass kicked and still managed to hit the under in the bet. So you got that one, which is dumb as s. But you got it, and uh, I hope everybody bet it with you because they would have made money. The one that I will give you credit for, and I don't know if you noticed, they finally adjusted the number last night because not oh, only not <laughs> only did it hit for game three, it went ahead and hit again for game four. Robert Williams and that uh, over one and a half blocks. They finally last night bumped that number up to two and a half. But uh, you rode that one pretty well, huh? Yeah, I mean that was actually that was frustrating because for game four they didn't bump the number, but they bumped they the, did bump up the to, odds, like minus yes. two hundred. Yeah, they bumped, um, so they, bumped they, the they basically figured it out after game three. Yeah, but it was still free money. Like I get what you're saying, but it was still free money at that point. And I even <laughs> said that on, uh, and I gave you credit. I was doing a, a social media video for them. I'm like, look, man, I get it. Like, and it, it wasn't 200. It was 180 something. It was like 184. I want to say something like that. I'm like, I get it. It's not like a huge win, but it's free money. <laughs> like, if somebody said to me, bet whether or not you're gonna put your shoes on today, but I'm gonna give you minus 8,000 odds. Well, I'd still be inclined to put some money on it because. I, I get to put my shoes on. <laughs> like, I understand that you would rather get better odds, and, you know, it, it feels kind of cheap, but at the same time, man, like, come on, money's money. What are we money doing Money is money. Here? That's why we call it money. Exactly right. And Robert Williams was, at that point, essentially a sure thing to get two blocks. Now, the irony, of course, being that they moved the number last night up to two and a half. And it and jinxed him. Yeah. He got the goose egg last night. Yep. Zero. No blocks recorded for Robert Williams in last night's game. All right. Uh, let's get into the five L's for this week. Of course, Aaron's not handing you five things that he thinks are going to be losers. One of which is a loser. He says that. 
Uh, and again, a couple of them would have been big winners for you if you had uh, rode with them, and others might still prove to be big winners. He offers a local, a long shot, a long term, a loser, and a lovable bet for the week. Let's begin locally. What you got in mind? Uh, obviously, uh, Blue Jays facing the Orioles today, and um, again, I'm looking at those pitcher props. I think those are some of the more interesting things that you can hit uh, if you're not just looking to play straight up, uh, you know, uh, money line or or run line. Um, and the Blue Jays' bats have come alive lately. They've had double-digit hits in eight of their last nine games. Meanwhile, Jordan Lyles is a guy who the Orioles, they let him get his start in kind of no matter what, no matter he is, how he's He is doing. there to pitch. He is there yeah. to eat. That They paid him money for one thing and one thing only, give us innings. Yeah, and they're going to let him get his innings. He's getting, you know, at least the five innings. He's giving, you know, getting 80, 90 pitches in every single start. Um, and his over-under for hits allowed is 6.5, and, and you're actually getting plus money on the over at plus 116. He's given up eight or nine hits in his past three outings, so I, I expect another outing just like that. He gives up eight or nine hits. He'll probably give up, you know, four or five runs in five and two-thirds of an inning or whatever, and I'm getting plus money on over 6.5 hits. So, yeah, give me... Over six and a half hits allowed for Jordan Lyles. Over six and a half at plus 116. And just as Aaron points out, looking at his game log, eight hits the last time out, nine hits. Now, before the last three starts, he had gone three straight starts without allowing six and a half hits. But um, more than 50% of his starts, he has allowed over six and a half hits. Seems like they know what they're doing in setting these numbers. Uh, that's what jumps out at me. All right, that is the local bet for this week. Let's go long term. What's the futures bet that you like for this week? I'm actually looking at this a little bit of a different way instead of finding a futures bet that I like is that I'm looking at an NFL week one line that I am very confident is going what? to be. What? Yeah, crazy, right? What are you doing? Um, I, I'm getting a little, getting a little wacky. You, here, this you know? is a, you're getting a bit froggy on this one. This is, yep. you know, you know how much time there is between now and these games, correct? I understand that there's you, a lot of time between now. And you know, there's like a whole training camp where players can get hurt, right? Players can get hurt. Players can get suspended. Yeah. Let's see if you can get where I'm going here. So you're looking uh, at the right, Cleveland Browns line. I am looking at the Cleveland Browns line, and unfortunately. If you're looking to fade the Browns right now, they're pretty much down anywhere on the futures board. Um, you can't play win total. You can't play. You can play division, um, but really, there's not much you can do as far as the Cleveland Browns go because you know they're waiting to find out exactly what's going to happen. They do have a Week One lineup on it, and the Cleveland Browns on the road against the Carolina Panthers are a three-point favorite. And look. I get it. You're playing a week one line. It's a little bit crazy. You have to hold that but ticket this could for three also, months. This could also end up being a Baker-Mayfield revenge game by that point. Uh, yeah, but is that good or bad? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I, would, think, I would think it would be better than Sam Darnold. <laughs> I would think that. <laughs> I mean, don't forget, Sam Darnold for the first three or four games last year was actually pretty good. Uh, You're going to presumably be uh, healthy, have Christian McCaffrey. Here's the point, though. Even if it's Baker Mayfield is better than Sam Darnold, even if it's whoever is better than Sam Darnold. The Cleveland Browns are not going to be three-point favorites on the road in week one if Deshaun Watson is not playing. I'm fairly confident about that one. Um, that line is going to be probably a pick. Could even see, like, Panthers minus one or so. I don't think you'll see the entire flip and 
see Panthers minus three. But I do think that you're going to be getting closing line value on it if you uh, bet it right now. Again, I, I understand if you don't want to just you know bet a one minus one ten bet, hold it for three months. But if you do, if you're looking for value, if you're one of those guys who are just like, look, uh, like me, I'm not. I want to be able to say I'm getting three points extra here on the closing line because, like I said, I, I think this ends up being around the pick. Um, I think it's an interesting bet to place right now getting plus three when you're not going to be able to do that when uh, September rolls around. I hear you. I just don't think I can stomach putting any American dollars of faith in Sam Darnold quarterback. I just don't (laughs) think that's something I'm capable of doing. All right. uh, Give me your long shot. Give me your underdog that you're loving for this week. Uh, I'm looking at the U.S. Open for this. And the U.S. Open is interesting. It's an interesting course. It's uh, the Country Club in Brookline, Massachusetts which is a course that doesn't hold a whole lot of professional tournaments. It does, however, host amateurs. And the reason this is interesting is because out of everybody in the U.S. Open field, there's just 11 players who have played this course uh, competitively before. One of those players is actually a player who has really come alive uh, lately. His name's Aaron Wise. He finished second at the Memorial. He finished 23rd at the PGA Championship and also in the past couple months. He uh, finished 6th at the Mexico Open and 21st at the RBC Heritage. As I mentioned, just one of 11 players in the field who have competed at the country club. And I'm not going to go crazy and say that you should... uh, I mean, you can play the 75-1 to to win it, absolutely. And I'll probably will play, just kind of take a flyer there. But if you're looking for other long shot bets that could come through, I actually really like the uh, plus 600 for the top 10. That's my official pick. Mm. And if you're looking to... uh, you know, uh, place it a little bit juicier, as I mentioned, the 75 to 1 to win it, or 11 to 1 for the top five. I think Aaron Wise uh, could be really good in this. And if you're also playing any pools, any, you know, sort of that, if you're looking for that guy to kind of fill out your roster that you need to take the long shot on, I think Aaron Wise could be that guy. I do not have the appetite that you do. My stomach, for the first time ever since I've known you, my stomach is not quite as big as yours. Um,. I like him at plus 135 to finish in the top 30 myself. That is... Sure, and that, uh, that's a great bet, but it's not a long shot. Bet. I understand that. I'm just saying, in, in looking at this, you're, I, I like where your head's at. I like where your head's at for a long shot. But for me, I, I like what you're, you're saying about Aaron Wise. I'm just personally going to... I'm going to reel that stomach back a little bit, and I'm going to go with him in a top 30 bet, where you can still get plus money at that point. So I do like that. I like it. Uh, Aaron Oster from VEASAN out in Las Vegas with us here on Simply the Bets. We continue with our five L's for the week. This one is the one that whatever you do, much like once upon a time he told you, that picking the Avalanche at plus 135 to win the West was a loser, and you do not do that. And and nail it. Wait, what? I don't even remember the circumstances. Why did you say that? Why in Uh, the world did you tell us that was a loser bet? I I still think that if you had had just done the rollover parlay, you would have gotten a little bit better value, but that was kind of my thinking at the time, was just the value wasn't there. It had nothing to do with the Avalanche. It It was plus money on the best team. Like, I I don't remember how I reacted to that, but in hindsight, uh, as the guy that's still sitting on an 11 to one ticket for the uh, Lightning to uh, win the Stanley Cup, that uh, I can I can I can do some things with now. Yeah. Um, I can't believe I didn't I don't I don't remember f- flying off the handle about how insane it was <laughs> that that was a loser bet. But 
unlike that one, which he got wrong, he's going to get this one right. He's going to tell you, do not make this bet. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Do not take that $200 to the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel and put it on this particular bet. What's your loser? So over the past 12 hours, you're hearing a lot of from from the Twitterverse and everything. Um, Seth Curry may not actually win MVP. Uh. Even if the Warriors win, Steph Curry might not win. He didn't get any three-pointers in Game 5, and that opens the door for Andrew Wiggins, or it opens the door for Clay Thompson, or whoever you want to say. It's not true. Yep. If the Warriors win the NBA Finals, barring Steph Curry getting injured in the first five minutes of Game 6, and this going to Game 7, and the Warriors winning there, that would be the only possible way that Steph Curry is not going to an MVP. And it's to the point where the books who had Andrew Wiggins at uh, 150 to 1 coming into game 5 to win finals MVP, he's down to 20 to 1. Yeah, that's don't play it. Yeah. Look, I get it and I to your point if there's any argument whatsoever Steph Curry is going to be the the finals MVP. So you have to create a scenario where there's not even an argument for Steph Curry because if there's an argument the part where yep. he's never been finals MVP and he's Steph Curry ends up winning out. If there's yep. any debate, if it's even close. So to get to the place where he's not the finals MVP, there must be no debate. And yep. that that's the scenario that you're portraying. And even that is tough, right? Like yeah. even in that bizarre hypothetical, it's tough to imagine there not being an argument for Steph Curry just because of how stupid insane he was for the first four games. Um, there's no reasonable argument to be made right now. But I just want to make this clear. The, what you're actually saying is don't bet Wiggins. Don't I, uh, well, don't bet. Don't bet any Warriors besides Steph. But it, there's, I, I mean, I, come on. If anybody's betting Clay Thompson at 130 to one, they they should they should seek help. Like what you're really saying is don't because the argument is for Wiggins because he's the guy that sure. actually has played really well, and you could actually make some sort of argument. You can't make an argument for anyone else. But you can make yeah. an argument for Wiggins just because of how well he's played for the last two games. And if he has another sort of dynamic 24.18 rebound performance sure. in Game 6, there would be an argument for him. You're saying don't do that. Don't make that bet. Yes. I'm saying Steph, if the Warriors win, Steph is winning. And, and Corlear, I do think that if the Celtics win, that Tatum is probably winning. But if you want to make a case for Brown and you can find the right number, I will at least listen I, I mean, to that. I, it's not quite as big a loser. I gotta, I gotta I be honest that. with you. Like I, I don't think these numbers make sense to me. I get what you're saying that like Tatum would probably be the default guy, but I think if yep. we're being honest about it, Jason Tatum is not the reason they've won two games in these NBA finals. I like, agree. It's way more about Brown and Smart. Um so I, I, like I get it. They would have to win two more games, and if what you're projecting a little bit is like Jason Tatum has to play even better in order for them to win two more games, like okay. Yeah. yeah. But the numbers at the moment don't make sense to me. I don't think Jason Tatum should be four to one while Jalen Brown is eighteen to one and Marcus Smart is a hundred and ten to one. Um, those numbers do not make sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I, and I, I really like Marcus Smart, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that in my love uh, coming up here. But absolutely, and by the way, I've had this question uh, asked to me before. No, if a player loses the NBA Finals, they're not winning NBA 
Finals MVP. That was thrown out the window in 2015 when LeBron James didn't win despite losing, despite having just the most outrageous NBA Finals ever. But how many games did they win in that series, remind me, in 15? I believe they won... Did that go to six or seven? I didn't think it, it went to... Right. I don't think it went seven. I think it went six. Yeah, that was the only, like, you know, you get... The, is the, this is the you get to game seven and it's a close game seven and they start handing the ballots out with like five minutes left and they say you know if you know this team if if the, or this player if this team wins that's how you fill out your ballot right if yeah. if the Warriors win blank if the 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 Celtics win blank and in a series that got to seven games and by the way it was six games that's what I thought it was, yeah, it was six course, games yeah. in a series that got to seven games. And if Steph Curry had just been, by the way, I do think last night ended any conversation about that, but if he had just been that ungodly brilliant for seven games, I could absolutely see people saying at that point, no matter who wins, my vote is Steph Curry, right? Just because of the timing of when you put the vote in for finals MVP. Sure, sure. But yeah, I get it. I get overall, and I also think that completely, he had to be that brilliant for all seven games in order for that to be the case. That went away last night, even though they won, despite because he was not only not brilliant, he wasn't even good. All right. Uh, and with that in mind, apparently it's got something to do with Marcus Smart. Give me the bet that you love, that you say do pass go, do collect your $200, and do go directly to the FanDuel Sportsbook in order to make this bet. Uh, much like the Williams prop last week, there has been a, a prop I've been writing for Marcus Smart that has hit pretty consistently. He's... Uh, and that's Marcus Smart combined points and rebounds. He's hit the four of the five games this series, and going back to the Eastern Conference Finals, he hit it in four and four of the five games against the Heat. Problem with this one, a li- little problem, is that they've started to catch on. That numbers have uh, been creeping up. Two games ago, it was at eighteen and a half combined. Uh, last night, it was at nineteen and a half. Now it's at twenty and a half. However, I still think there's value in twenty and a half. Uh, out of those 10 games I mentioned, he would have hit 20 and a half in seven of those 10. Um, I just think that this is a really good value. And, and I do think it's important to get the rebounds in there as well, as a lot of times you do need the combined points and rebounds that you're not just going to hit it on points. So, yeah, I like over 20 and a half points and rebounds for Marcus Smart in game six. Right now, that's at uh, minus 122 at FanDuel. So, yeah, I might actually run out and get it before it does tick up a little bit more because, as you can see, there the oddsmakers are on to it. They are moving it up, and it could end up being 21 and a half or more uh, by the time it tips off. All right, so get that one quickly. 20 and a half combined points and rebounds for Marcus Smart. All right, man, what's going on out of Eason? Of course, check out all of our uh, all of our shows, all of our coverage out at Vison. We have everything that you would want for this, you know, the kind of the doldrums of summer. We have spreadsheets for every baseball game, showing uh, you know just various edges you might be able to get. We will have NBA draft coverage coming up soon, and pretty soon we'll have guides out looking at uh, NFL and college football. So uh, make sure to get into that. Check everything out at Beeson.com. All right, very good. At the AOster on Twitter is how you follow him. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. Hope everyone has their best this week. Aaron Oster from Beeson out in Vegas joining us here on Simply the Bets. When we come back in, we will make a trip to the FanDuel Sportsbook. We will chat with their general manager, Leon Twyman, Get his thoughts on what's going on this week, some of the bets that he's seen come in that maybe are a little crazy. 
We will do that next. It is Simply the Bets, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Are you ready, soccer fans? This summer, the English Premier League returns to Baltimore. Arsenal, Everton, square off in the Charm City match, July 16th, under the lights at M&T Bank Stadium, home of the Baltimore Ravens. This is your only opportunity to take in a Premier League match this summer in the Mid-Atlantic region. Individual and group tickets are on sale at BaltimoreRavens.com. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. And Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Yeah. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever is on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com to follow the show on instagram it's just glenn clark radio and to follow the show on only fans wait i don't think you're supposed to know about that one any hoodle take it away boys all right it's actually simply the bets here on a tuesday brought to you by the fanduel sportsbook at live casino and hotel and let's go there right now joining us the general manager of the fanduel sportsbook he's our friend leon twyman he's with us now here on simply the bets leon what's going on man hey how's it going everything is good especially uh considering i'm still sitting on a ticket at the lightning at plus 1100 from before the playoffs to win the stanley cup so nice. I might be making a, a visit here in order to do some other things with that ticket. I might hey, be I like uh, might be uh, exploring 
Uh, I might be going over the hedge, if you know what I mean, at this point. <laughs> might be the way that I go about doing that. All right, so um, I was like, let's let's get the fun stuff out of the way. Give me the. It, it's been a week. Give me the the silliest thing that you've seen. Something come in. What where where is the action been? Like, what's the most action been in on? I'm assuming it's still the finals. But give me maybe one of the funnier things that you've seen come in on over the last week. <laughs> so you know, I think I said this last week as well, just about the Orioles. So we have just one guy just coming in. He is hammering the what? Orioles right now for, for what? What is he? and for the World Series. Like, he has almost $30,000 What in combined. the world is going on? <laughs> is there, did you ever say to yourself, like, I know we're not supposed to do this, but at some point we might have to step in. Like, we might have to say, dude, we can't keep taking your money. Like, we just can't do, what, do, do we know, do you know anything about the guy's story? Like, he's just an obsessed why would somebody be doing this? So apparently he's just highly obsessed with the Orioles right now. And he, he's been going to all sports books um, and putting in a bunch of wagers of the same thing. But with us right now, like I said, he has huge liability out. So if for some odd reason the Orioles win the, the World oh, Series, no doubt, right. uh, he is going to win over $5 million. My God. I mean, that sounds great, except for the fact that, you know, the Orioles would have to win the, the World Series. So, <laughs> you know, there's there's that. If you are the gentleman, if you happen to be the person that's, that is this guy, because I want to know, I want, I want to interview this person. I want to get to the bottom of what this is all about. So if you <laughs> are the person that's doing this, please get in touch with me. I'd like to really dive into your psyche, my friend. I'd like to know more. Like the only way this makes sense to me, Leon, is if it's somebody who's looking for pub- like who's the guy down in H- Mattress Mac, right? The guy down in Houston who gets a ton of publicity for all of these exorbitant bets that he makes on the Astros or other Houston teams, but he does it for the express purpose of knowing that he's going to get a ton of coverage and that's essentially free advertising. So even if he loses his bets, like he did on the Astros in the World Series the last time, he's covered because he's sort of made up for it in in free publicity that he's gotten for doing it. That's the only way something like this would make sense to me. Yes, I have no idea what is going on, but it's just... Absolutely if, insane if, to me. If you if you, if that guy stops by again this week, could you possibly give him my number and ask him to call me, please, Leon? Yeah, could for you, sure. Could I you can possibly ask him to make a phone call to me because I want to talk about it. I want to know what this person's story is. All right, um, game six is on Thursday night. The better scenario at this point for you guys is what? Is it the Warriors closing things out? What is? What is the win for you guys for the rest of the way in the finals? You know, it's it's been so hit or miss with us because we've been getting killed lately. Um, these past two games with Golden State winning, uh, we've been just absolutely getting killed. Really? Um, we, yeah, we've been taking a huge hit. So, you know, last night with the game, surprisingly, I actually heard a lot of people cheering for Boston. But... It makes no sense to me because all, all the, the money was on Golden State. Wow, <laughs> wow, that's interesting. That's really, really interesting. Um, is it was it that way before the series started, or was it unique after they fell behind two one? You know, it was. They were actually 
here in for Celtics um, from the very beginning. Um, we did see a lot of money in on Celtics, but now we're just seeing it all on Golden State. Oh, man. Um, well, uh, so what you're saying is the sports book is now rooting for there to be a Game 7 on Sunday night because the sports book is rooting for Boston to win that Game 7 on Sunday night. That's, Correct. That, that's the rooting interest for the FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, and, again, if you want to be there for games, how the crowd's been? Yes. Yeah, so I would definitely say um, book season advance. Yeah. I, I see Thursday game being uh, extremely busy. And if it does go to Game 7, it's going to be insane in there. Yeah. So make sure you get your spot reserved. Events at SportsSocialMD.com. Events at SportsSocialMD.com. You want to reserve your table, reserve your reclining chairs, whatever it is. Make sure you get them in. And there's still plenty of, like, just because we're at Game 6 and some of the series props maybe have gone away a little bit, like, there's still plenty of individual game props available for Thursday nights. That is correct. We do have some game props. Um, there's still a couple series um, props going on. But, yeah, if you're looking for, for more uh, player props, definitely going to be individual games. I mentioned I, I have this ticket on the Lightning at 11-1 to 1 from before the Stanley Cup fight because for some reason FanDuel was like, hey, those two-time defending champs that have been playing really well of late, eh, we'll just go ahead and make them 11-1. to 1. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> But now you know, here we are. Be, uh, it could be good in your favor. So that's my question, right? Like, it, I say I, I think I'm going to hedge. That's because I think Colorado is a machine. Like, I just think they are so ungodly loaded and capable of scoring seven goals a game that even though um, uh, Vasilevsky's played really well in goal for the Lightning and they are battle-tested, I just and, – and clearly, look, the, the line is minus 180 for the Avalanche to win the series. Um, I, I think I need to hedge. Does that make sense to you or at this point knowing I'm sitting on this 11-1 to ticket? And by the way, I think it was a $20 ticket, so it would pay out quite handsomely. Would you say to yourself, nah, man, ride, ride with that. Go win your money. Go try to get all of it. You know, I, I'm the type when it comes to betting, I'm definitely just riding the ticket out. Okay. I, I never hedge. Um, you know, I get a lot of customers that come up to the counter and they're like, hey, man, how, how can I hedge this ticket? You know, I have this, this, and this. That's good. I have this one game. Like, what do I do? Sometimes, if it, especially if it's a parlay, I'll say, you know what, you could do this and still make a decent amount of money. But most of the time, I'm telling them I would ride it out. That's just how I am when it comes to sports betting. Just ride it out. <laughs> All right. All right. I will I will consider that. It is um it's been an exciting couple of weeks just thinking about what I can do with this ticket. Um it looks like that maybe not quite as many as the NBA finals, but it does look like there are an awful lot of pre- pre- props available for the Stanley Cup final as well. Yes, there are. Um, so if you're looking just for the actual Stanley cup, so you can do, um, total games, you can do, um, total goals for the whole series. Um, they have the correct win order, which I know we talked about that last week with the NBA finals. My God, uh, if if you can pull that off, right. Like if you can somehow do that crazy amount of money involved with that, the irony being right now that the, um, like if you look at the odds for the correct game order, the favorite and by a decent amount, the favorite is a Colorado sweep. Like that's that's how everybody thinks of Colorado. The favorite at plus eight fifty for game order is a Colorado sweep. Everything else, like the next best odds 
are plus 1,500, 15 to 1. Um, it's so overwhelming how much people think Colorado is just that much of a machine. Right. <laughs> but, by the way, if they do, if you're that confident in them, plus 850 is pretty good. <laughs> like It really is. You got a real chance. If you genuinely believe that Colorado could sweep this series, you go in and put in, you know, with something like – let me do this math. Twelve bucks, something like that. It's a hundred dollar win for you if it ends up playing out that way. Like that's that's pretty good odds if you think Colorado is that good. Yeah, uh, you know, if you if you just kind of look at this and you you play around with it, throw a couple couple different like correct win order bets in, you know, you could get lucky and you could you could definitely make out on something. You know, if you you play around with a couple of these. Uh, by the way, Tampa Bay sweep is at 21 to 1 as far as the odds for that are concerned. And then the U.S. Open coming up this weekend, uh, Leon, and uh, run us through some of the options that are available for customers in the FanDuel Sports Book as far as going beyond just trying to figure out who might win the U.S. Open this weekend. Yeah, so, you know, you have your traditional win, you have your finishing positions um, as far as like top 5, top 10, top 20, top 40. Um, you have, uh, hole in one specials. So those actually have some very, uh, some very steep Boy, they odds pay out really well, right? right? I'm looking at those right yeah. now. Like if you genuinely <laughs> believe that Louis Oosthuizen will hit a hole in one this weekend, 110 to one, if that were yeah. to happen. That's absolutely insane. Um, you know, you have group betting, um, you know, you can, with group betting, basically it's a, it's a group of just, um, four golfers and you would just pick the winner of um you know just that group alone so that's another actual that's a popular way people have been uh making some money and you know what i've seen a lot lately um is actually to uh to make the cut parlay and to make the cut i've been seeing people just lay you know 20 bucks on a parlay and paying out over a thousand dollars just on making the cut. Mm, that's interesting. You just find a few golfers, you put them in there, and and make it work. That's an interesting way to go about betting. All right, sir. So that yeah, all weekend uh, you'll be able to. And as we're talking about with the final Sunday, could be a really exciting day because you could have a dramatic final round of the U.S. Open in the afternoon, leading in to a Game Seven of the NBA Finals. It could be an electric day to just like you do for the NCAA tournament camp out spend the entirety of the day inside live casino and hotel in the FanDuel Sportsbook there might be like an hour or so in there you can run wander out maybe play some poker something like that and then come right back in order to be there for game seven if it works out that way on Sunday anything else we should know about going on this week Leon anything else that should be on our radars as far as the FanDuel Sportsbook's concerns so this week, um, you know, we don't have much going on just with the U.S. Open the finals um, obviously the Stanley Cup um, so, you know, we are hoping to get that crowd in the casino itself will be extremely busy. They do have a huge, uh, Dave Chappelle show this weekend. Oh, that's so right. I, oh yeah. yeah. I definitely, definitely encourage everyone to make those reservations right now because it's, there's going to be over 8,000 additional people, um, coming to the casino just for the shows alone. Uh, you know, I know Leon Twyman. Is that going to help me out at all with trying to get tickets to Dave Chappelle this weekend? <laughs> and, uh, you know, we can see what we can do. <laughs> uh, I don't, I, I would love, I mean, I actually, I mean, I, w- I went up to ball. I literally, my buddy and I went up to Boston once to see Dave Chappelle, John Stewart, and Michael Che all, uh, performing. It was, it was incredible. Um, 
I have to think about that. Might be getting a phone call at some point this week, Leah. <laughs> that might be the case. I know, uh, and happy anniversary to everybody at Live Casino and Hotel. I know it's been a uh, busy week as they celebrate their 10th anniversary. I know there are a lot of huge events going on. So uh, very happy for all of our friends there. Um, it's been a great run in the community and so glad that the FanDuel Sportsbook is now a part of it. Leon Twyman, appreciate you, my friend. We will talk to you again next Tuesday. Enjoy the week. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it. General Manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, our buddy Leon Twyman with us here on Simply the Bets. All right, as we wind down for this week's show, just again, uh, some generic odds, just to throw them out for you. Uh, Rory McIlroy, fresh off his victory in the Canadian Open over the weekend, he comes into the U.S. Open as the favorite 10-1 to to win the U.S. Open. Justin Thomas, after winning the PGA, is 12-1. to John Rahm, 15-1. to That's where you also find Masters champ Scotty Scheffler, 15-1. to Cameron Smith, 21 to 1. Xander Schofle at 22 to 1. Patrick Cantlay, 24 to 1. Then Jordan Spieth, Matthew Fitzpatrick at 25 to 1. Sam Sam Burns, 27 to 1. And then at 30 to 1, Shane Lowry and Kevin Van Valkenburg's pick to win the U.S. Open. Will Zalatoris, the 12th favorite. 30 to 1. So if you're riding with Kevin Van Valkenburg, that could pay out quite nicely. 30 to 1 odds for Will Zalatoris to win the U.S. Open in the FanDuel Sportsbook right now. And as I mentioned, um, the Avalanche, minus 180 favorites to win the Stanley Cup. The Lightning, plus 155 in the series. And if you are that bullish about the Avalanche that you believe they can sweep, as I mentioned, that pays plus 850, a pick of an avalanche sweep. One, two, three, four, all going to the avalanche if you want to get in on that. And as far as the rest of the NBA Finals are concerned for Game 6 on Thursday, the Celtics, again, three-and-a-half-point favorites at home, favored to force a Game 7 in the NBA Finals, three-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, the Warriors, however, are minus 380 favorites with the 3-2 advantage in order to win the NBA title. So if you are bullish about the Celtics, you still have a chance right here to get them at plus 300 and make some money if you think they're going to win the next two games. Steph Curry minus 360 to be MVP. Jason Tatum 4-1. to Jalen Brown 18-1. to Andrew Wiggins, as we talked about with Aaron Oster earlier, 20-1 to to be finals MVP. Griffin has prepared for us a tidbit of the week. What do you got for us? All right, so hot stat going around last night was uh, during the 2022 NBA playoffs, the Celtics were 7-0 and straight up and that against the correct. spread when they were uh, when they were entering the game plus four and, and coming off a loss. So they were 7-0. and Well, they're no longer they that. They're no longer that. So uh, hopefully nobody uh, followed that trend too closely. Um, but yeah, I just want to throw that out there. That was a oh, that's stat. It? That no, 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 no. Oh, okay, I've got, I've got other like, things. I was I like, wait, what? Yeah. Okay. Had a bad beat. Someone, so someone took uh, the Warriors to win by eleven plus. Got that at plus five hundred last oh, night. They probably were feeling quite comfortable they were feeling right very until good they until decided Luke to. Cornette checked into the game. Yeah, they emptied the bench. Uh, so Baltimore's Luke. own Damian Lee came into the game. Cal- the pride of Calvert Hall. And uh, 
yeah, that, that that disappeared, huh? Yeah, Luke Cornett hit a three with 10 seconds left, and that made it an exactly a 10-point game. Thing was, though, his foot, well, they never really like showed another replay, but his foot looked like really close to being on oh, the line. Oh, you think it, it should have been a two? I'm not and, sure. And I mean, nobody, people, nobody, everyone in nobody everyone cared was, because... Yeah nobody, yeah, nobody cared, so no one really reviewed it because game was over, but uh, people yeah. who put money on 11 plus were like, well, whoa, can we get a replay of that? I mean, it's a very small yeah. group of people, I'm assuming, that specifically bet 11 plus. Um, so then also on Wednesday, so someone put together a Nations League parlay, uh-huh. so they took the under two and a half goals in the Tanzania-Algeria Ireland, Ukraine. Oh, oh, I was thinking about this. Scotland, I, Armenia. I had a lot of Tanzania. They took the under two and a half, and all those, all three of those hit. Uh-huh. Then they took Belgium to win and over one and a half goals in that game. Netherlands to win and also over one and a half goals to win that. So all those hit on Wednesday afternoon, and then they topped off the parlay with Rory at plus nine fifty to win the Canadian Open. So they were sweating it out probably all weekend, and of course Rory ended up winning. So they turned fifty bucks into seven point seven thousand. Wait, seven thousand seven hundred? Yeah. No, that's- I actually thought that was going to pay way more than that. Yeah. That's a lot of th- that's a lot of pieces of a parlay <laughs> that all had to hit. And Rory at what? What was the odds for Rory? Rory they got Rory at plus nine fifty, and it was only somehow a seven. Yeah, I, mean, it I get only- it's fifty bucks. Seven. It's a great number. I somehow think that number should have been bigger. Solid uh, turnaround. Maybe the rest were all the under. Yeah, I guess like the unders yeah, in the Nations League. There, um, one more. So there was a wild parlay. They included some college baseball overs. They also had Nation League games, including Germany plus two thousand against uh, I forget who they played. But they got Germany with really tough odds, and they ended up pulling it out. Had some MLB in there. So the first six of the seven-leg parlay hit. The final leg uh, that would have turned five dollars into twelve grand yeah. was the Celtics to win Game Five last night, Aye. and they cashed that's, out for four and a half. For smart. 4.5 this thousand. is why I always encourage <laughs> cashing out. I always encourage it. It's why I'm probably gonna hedge my bet. Um, uh, from Rich Sermonello, and this is weird. Like I just saw this tweet come across this morning. He's a college football writer. He's now working as a draft analyst for um, uh, uh, Sportsnet in New York, and uh, he writes for SportsGrid and now for Phil Steele's preview magazine, but he's been at a bunch of different places over the years. I have no idea why he points. It is an interesting tidbit, but I have no idea why it was something he was thinking about this morning. Mike Loxley, as football coach at Maryland, against ranked opponents all time, 1 in 10. Now, I don't know... I guess the one must have been I'm trying to think of who it would have been. Yeah. Maybe maybe it was Minnesota ranked during the COVID year. Was I can't even think of who would have been ranked um, during all. The, I'm like my God, because he was not the coach when they beat Texas. I have no idea who it would have been that would have been ranked when they beat him. Maybe was was like Syracuse somehow ranked? I can't even remember. No, I yeah. I, I'm I don't honestly I don't surprised. Yeah, he's not 0 right. eleven. But one in ten. All-time against ranked opponents. Also, 1-10 in 10 against the spread against ranked opponents. So not only have they never defeated a ranked opponent, but considering some, they, whenever they play, they've gotten their butts kicked. They've never even covered the spread. Whoever the one, I don't even know who the one is. I it was Syracuse. It. I believe it was Syracuse. It was, Syracuse. It was yeah. Syracuse who was ranked. 63 points against Syracuse. Most points ever yes. scored by oh, they, Maryland. They bludgeoned, the they bludgeoned yeah. them. And it made, ever, made all of us think like, wow, boy, look at <laughs> this. is unbelievable. And Ooh. then the, the season just fell apart after that. But but um, very interesting. 1-10 and ten straight up and 1-10 and ten against the spread. Now, that's doesn't, again, we all know Maryland has not been very good. So you'd like to hope that those numbers as they they continue moving forward might change a bit but it's just an interesting number as far as uh, betting is concerned 
All right, very good. Thanks to Aaron Oster. Thanks to Leon Twyman. Thanks to Griffin. We will be back on Thursday for Weekend at Bookies, um, also brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, sort of your last chance to get a preview for Game 6 on Thursday night. In the meantime, may the odds be ever in your favor. This has been Simply the Bets.